Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Holden. With me, as always, is Banky. And we watched Chasing Amy... This is a a special episode. I want to be upset, but yeah, I'm the banky. (laughs) I I know the things I've said that, yeah. Yeah, uh, Alex You know, it's been a long time since I heard a lot of these slurs. That was was exciting for me. You know, that's an interesting thing about this movie. We're going to get to it later, but like, there is a scene in which uh, Holden tells Banky... We're not going to do that for the whole episode, are we? We're just going to no, sit back and I will Jason only Lee. say yeah, thank you. I will yeah. be goddamn. No. At one point, Holden McNeil, go fuck yourself. Right, yeah. At, at some point, he says, hey, you know, maybe you could cool it with all the homophobia. And then he just drops the F slur repeatedly to a gay man's face. So many quaint, old-fashioned slurs. Yeah, back when you could Once get away with it. lesbians stuff. I haven't heard in a long time are like, oh, damn. It's really... Takes me back to the 90s more than the wardrobe and the music do, honestly. Before the lib media would police our language. Anyway. That's right. Uh, <laughs> the woke mob in the Viewisk universe. <laughs> I keep forgetting it's called the Viewisk universe. It sucks, don't it? Oh, jeez. Well, before we get into that, Parker, do we have do we have any news in our universe? Oh, mercifully no. It's just a whole bunch of trailers I didn't watch. You'd love to see it. Just Perfect. looking at the headlines going, nah. Yeah. Nah. Nah, I'll see this in front of something eventually. Nah, no. And I gotta tell you guys, it's so freeing. It really is, yeah. Well, uh, in that case, I guess we can get on to our oh, jerks of the week. I don't have one. Uh, 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 I didn't, but I do now. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Thanks thanks again, Alex, for uh, not being able to be here. So we got to watch Chasing, Chasing Amy. <laughs> <laughs> the movie that I did not realize until 20 minutes into it, like, Oh fuck! I never actually saw this. Like <laughs> I owned it. I I've listened to the commentary several times, which I did again today, and it's still That's, very funny. Oh, Funnier yeah. than the movie, as it turns out. Oh, I bet. I I strongly believe that Kevin Smith is a very funny person. I think he's very talented. I just think that talent is misdirected. I was listening to it at work, and I had to did a full stop when they're like, "Oh, Ben Affleck's here. He's taking a break. He's in the middle of filming Armageddon." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's right. This was right before he was everywhere." Yeah, and like this is still the... just take t- take an afternoon to go record a laser disc commentary for Criterion. <laughs> this is also uh, uh, the same year that Goodwill Hunting came out, so. Yeah, busy they, time. they had just wrapped and like they had just finally gotten a release date for it. Like as they were recording this, they had a full picture wrap. Like this is right before he is a megastar. Him and Matt Damon with his thirty second scene. Oh, okay, we'll never get, mind. We'll my there. my jerk of the week is Matt Damon. Okay, I got a little something for you here. This is a true story. So, have you seen the Oppenheimer trailer yet? 
Yeah, of course. Okay, so Obviously. everyone is, like, flipping their shit over, like, the Barbie trailer. Like, oh, I gotta see it. Oh, like, the memes are coming out and everything. And I'm, like, kind of, like, eh, whatever. I, I guess I'll watch it. I like Greta Gerwig, so, and Margot Robbie. So, I'll, I'll probably see it, you know. I don't know if it's episode-worthy, but we'll see. But what I'm really interested in is Oppenheimer. Originally had the same release date as uh, Barbie, but they push it down a bit. I'm going somewhere with this. Anyway, I mentioned to my dad, oh, hey, uh, Christopher Nolan, one of my favorite directors, besides Tenet, is making uh, Oppenheimer, a movie about Oppenheimer. And he said, oh, I want to see that. That man was, man's a hero. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, was, yeah, okay, I get it. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of curious. But here's the thing. My dad is stuck in a paradox. Can't, will he go see the, the movie about the man who invented the coolest device ever? If it has Matt Damon in a serious role, because my dad hates Matt Damon. What started this? Why does he hate Matt Damon so much? Oh, I oh I thought you could guess. Matt Damon believes in global warming. <laughs> you know, I had a hunch, but sometimes you just want to hear it, you know? It's like, you know your partner loves you, but you just want to hear him say it sometimes. I know your dad hates Matt Damon because of global warming, but I want it on record. <laughs> yeah. The whole world to hear. I mean, that's the thing is, um, I, I kept, I have been trying to get him for years to watch uh, Good Will Hunting, which uh, is a movie my mom had always wanted to see, but she never got a chance to see it. And I, I know she would have loved it. And I think if my dad watched Good Will Hunting, he'd fall in love with it. And uh, maybe he'd open up a bit, you know, but... He won't, because Matt Damon plays a serious role in it. Which is weird, because he loves the Bourne movies. I was about to say, he would love the Bourne <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah, he loves those. Those are made for him. Yeah, but he just hates Matt Damon so much. It, it's one of those things where he's just not very consistent, because he loves Pink Floyd, but he hates Roger Waters, you know. it's. I guess he just refuses to seek it out, but I, I think he... <laughs> I have a feeling he's going to enjoy Oppenheimer. <laughs> You know, when I hit that age, I'm also just going to say shit like that. Like, that doesn't make sense. You love those movies, and be like... Yeah, so? <laughs> to prove anything to you? Exactly. Fuck you. <laughs> I gave birth to you. Come on, my He doesn't mind. owe you shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's, let's get into what we watched recently. So, there was a movie that came out last year called Living. It's got Bill... What was it? It's Nihi, right? I look at the way... N-I-G-H-Y. It's a British guy. He was in some stuff. Uh... He's usually in comedies. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sorry. I know. I right? just felt yeah. I felt the gears turning, and none of them were going in a good direction. Yeah, I'm see, this sorry. is this is why Josh isn't allowed on the show. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I made that drink strong. I had to really use yeah. all my willpower and strength. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Anyway, it, uh, apparently it got really good reviews, but no one watched it, and it it fell under the radar. I could not find this fucking movie anywhere. Anyway, I think it finally got released to streaming somewhere, so I'm going to try to check it out. I did some research about it. Apparently, it is a remake of one of my favorite Akira Kurosawa movies, Ikiru, which I have on Blu-ray. So I popped that in uh, for a rewatch, and I'll tell you this. I like Ikiru. I think Ikiru is good. I do think that it does tend to drag a bit. And it's odd that Kurosawa considers this his best movie, because he made The Seven Samurai, which is like one of the really great old movies. Ikiru's good. I like the acting, for the most part, and I really love the message. The basic idea is there's a Japanese businessman, and he is diagnosed with stomach cancer, and he has, like, a month to live, and he has to find a purpose for living. There was a there's an article in the New York Times a while ago about 
men without purpose. And when you see men without purpose, they become Proud Boys or Jordan Peterson acolytes or uh, Andrew Tate followers, you know? Oh, yeah. We're huge supporters of men going their own way. Yeah. We love love to hear about it. Yeah, we love people who return. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm never really sure how to pronounce that. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's Bill Nye. He wants to refer to Anyway, Ikiru. Uh, it's not really. Anyway, Ikiru. You could probably guess this because the poster is fairly well known of a Japanese businessman sitting on a swing set, but. He works for uh, the city department and a local group of mothers because I says, hey, can we get rid of the dump with all the mosquitoes and the disease and everything? And like, I don't know, put something else there. And it shows you how government bureaucracy works. The paper just keeps on getting passed around. Go to this department, go to this department, go to this department. No one wants to do anything. No one wants to spend the money, etc. And he makes it his life's mission for the last month or so of his life to get rid of that dump and turn it into a child's playground. And he accomplishes that. I don't know how that will work in living, which is more or less a translation of the word Ikiru. But uh, I want to check it out. I, I'm very interested in it. I'd like to see it. Another one, this will probably be short because I didn't like this movie that much. Uh, I, remember back when I, I did the list for the horror movies? Think back earlier than that. Uh, vaguely. <laughs> didn't come up very often. <laughs> well, there are other lists. Uh, <laughs> Alex suddenly oh, just shot away. <laughs> are there ever? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, a lot of these have already completed or come close to completing. One of them is uh, a list of the greatest animated movies of all time. And I looked at it and I said, oh, I've watched all the good ones. Don't worry. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, that's that's the, how it goes. The <laughs> One of the ones that's left on here was The Triplets of Belleville. Uh, I remember that movie coming out. Did oh, it yeah. like Oscar noms or something? Yeah, exactly. Because it wasn't American. That is entirely the reason they're like, hey, we've never seen uh, anything like this before. It doesn't matter if it's good, you know? That sounds about right. So The Triplets of Belleville is a French movie. It is uh, It's a, one of those movies with very sparse dialogue, but still tells a story visually. That's a good thing. I like that you can tell a story visually with that much... Like, Wally does that. And Wally's like the best animated movie. This is a story of people riding bikes, which um, is not as entertaining as it sounds. Some guy with the longest nose I've ever seen in my life. It is like, and it's Careful drawn. Josh. It's Careful, dr- Josh. It is. It is drawn in the Frenchest way possible. So it's oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Say no more. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, he he wants to ride his bike in. Um, I don't know what's that bike race called, the Cirque du Soleil. Anyway, he uh, yeah. he's yeah, <laughs> he's riding his bike, and he gets kidnapped by some weird businessman who wanted to use his bike riding prowess to power a machine that shows movies. It's something really stupid, and uh, I I gotta admit, I think the Triplets of Belleville is not that good. I think if you watched it, you'd hate it. <laughs> I think you'd have a really yeah, bad time. Agreed. <laughs> All right, <laughs> don't watch the Triplets of Belleville. I was not gonna. I don't watch yeah. any movies on the animated list because it's like. Wow, yeah. Lion King, Aladdin, yeah, all these, all these. And you get to the bottom, you're like, I don't need to watch The Brave Little Toaster. I'm in my 30s now. That's fine. That can stay where it is. I think you should watch The Brave Little Toaster. I, I really do. Like I'm that. good. I've, I know, I got it, I got it, I got it. But I don't need to dampen my experience growing up. Yeah. Yes, we I... were all scared of those scenes when we were five. 
There's still. A I'm scary. sure it has the same effect now. <laughs> it's still a little scary to me. Anyway, yeah. Don't. I, by the way, this I, I get kind of like snooty about the Brave Little Toaster. Whenever someone says, "Yeah, I like the one where he goes to Mars," I get like mad because it's like that's not the real Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> you just do the Arthur Fist. Play. You don't understand. Yeah. Uh, you don't know who you're talking to. So I've uh, been feeling kind of kind of listless lately, kind of directionless, kind of unmotivated. And I talked to a friend, and they're like, "You know, Chris, it sounds like you have depression." And I've been thinking about it, treating it seriously, and uh, that's a possibility. Uh, th- this person might be right about it. Uh, if it is, then this seems pretty easy. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. I should be over this in a week. They anyway. should just simply stop being listless and go on Letterboxd and find another list. And yeah, watch exactly. More movies. Yeah, ex- oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I don't have a purpose in life. It There's a little <laughs> t- progress bar on the right, and it shows how far along you are. <laughs> And all you can do is make the number go up every yeah, ch- day. Check this out. Number go up. Number go up again. Yeah, <laughs> I know like you're saying all that, but I just click this here, and I just add entry, and look at that, number up. So We're I just, winning. I, and uh, to wit, I had a lot of opportunities to watch some really good movies at home, and I just decided not to. I was just like, ah, I don't feel like it. Instead, I, I put on some TV shows, uh, one of which is a first-time viewing one of which is a rewatch, and one of which is uh, kind of a continuation. The first one is I watched a it's, it's a Japanese cartoon, uh, which they call anime, which is short for animation. It's called oh. it's called Berserk. Oh, so so this is uh, this is kind of a funny story about how I was able to find this. I uh, <laughs> I was telling Josh about it. I was like, yeah. So I l- went on to Crunchyroll. I made one of those uh, accounts that gives you the first two weeks free. He said, ah, you're learning well. <laughs> and uh, I looked for Berserk on there. That's not the real Berserk. That's like Berserk 2016, and it's got like 3D animation, and there's a fairy. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. So hey, I closed that. I appreciate you trying to like do things legitimately. But if it's an anime dub that came out in the 90s, you might as well just go to YouTube. As it turns out. Absolute nightmare. (laughs) As it turns out, you just go onto YouTube and type in Berserk 1997. It's just right there. And you can find the whole thing for free. Which Josh was very happy about. you can think of is on YouTube. Because it's like, oh, who's going to copyright claim it? Buddy, we don't know who owns this. Exactly. (laughs) Who's going to claim it? Exactly. No one wants this. Who the fuck owns ADV? That probably changed hands 18 times. Exactly. So uh, I watched Berserk. And uh, there's a couple things I like. I really like the art design. There's something about that aesthetic for like mid 90s uh anime oh, yeah. where it just looks really good uh this might be controversial i really like the opening theme song a lot of people can't really get into it it's the tell me why thing because it feels very disjointed from what you're watching you're watching this fairly brutal uh like medieval sort of thing a guy with a huge sword destroys demons and stuff and it feels like this sort of like acoustic folk emo sort of song and people say, oh, no, yeah, the lyrics actually are supposed to make you feel like kind of depressed. I'm like, ah, way ahead of you. I came prepared. Now, that being said, uh, just because I have fake depression doesn't mean I'm going to start enjoying Neon Genesis Evangelion. All right? That's that's not in my cards. But uh, Berserk, for the most part, I liked. I liked the characters. I liked seeing what they were going to do. It almost felt like, uh, it felt like in the same vein as Fist of the North Star. It's kind of interesting that I'm talking about Berserk in this way because as I was watching it, I was just kind of watching it. I was just like, eh, you know, whatever. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, I can move on to something else now. But I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, that was actually pretty good. So one of these days I'll read the comic books, but uh, 
I'll have to get around to it. Everyone tells me they're like the greatest Japanese comic books ever, so I'll get around to this. Whatever. Man, this eclipse they're talking about sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like watching lunar eclipses. Oh, jeez. Right, yeah, I've heard of... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you want some more of that, watch the movies from the. Like, I heard the, the movies are, yeah, they got some things in the. Yeah, I mean, yeah. where do you think they got it from? Right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, for my rewatch, I don't think you've watched this, uh, but I think you should with your girlfriend. Steven Universe. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Gravity Falls. No. <laughs> Gravity uh, Falls. She's hugely into it. I've caught episodes here and there, but she's, yeah, she loves yeah, it. Yeah, I got the whole Blu ray set. I might be watching the whole commentary just because the first time I saw Gravity Falls, I was blown away. It's like, what the fuck? Why is this so good? And it really, I admit, it does look like Steven Universe. And the character of Mabel does kind of feel like the the epic, wacky, bacon, random, doom of humor penguin thing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I get it. It's fine. But the, the writing in there is sensational. It, it is so good. All the jokes, almost all the jokes, hit really, really well. It's... There is so much love and care and effort that went into this, and I'm always surprised just by how good it is. Uh, the voice work is top-notch. I, I, I fucking love Gravity Falls. I strongly recommend it to everyone who's listening. Uh, drop what you're doing. Watch this fucking show. Anyway, uh, I was still feeling kind of, like, listless. That's not a great, you know, yeah, I watched Gravity Falls, and I was still sad. So, I was... Hey buddy, <laughs> if you don't think I've ever been depressed and watched cartoons, you don't fucking know me. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know. I, I did kind of feel this like, oh, I have depression and you're just sitting here. Just like, really? What's that like? <laughs> Damn, that must, must feel weird just feeling like you have no direction in life. Then you put on a cartoon? What a weirdo. Who would yeah. do that? So I'm on like my 47th run through of American Dad right now. It's pretty good. Helps me, helps yeah. me fall asleep. Keeps everything quiet. It's no, fine. don't worry. Talking to your friends about movies helps. Anyway. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking through what my next like rewatch is coming up were. Like I wrote down, I was like, I should rewatch this. I should rewatch that. And I was like, all the stuff out there was like too good. I was like, I don't feel like rewatching Samurai Jack or King of the Hill right now. So, I don't know. And I, again, I was just feeling listless. So I... I started watching season four of a TV show called The Simpsons. When Alex visits, we like to put on The Simpsons because it's one of her favorite shows. Uh, I wasn't allowed to watch it when when I was growing up because, you know, whatever. Dude, The Simpsons is really good. How come no one mentions this? (laughs) I really think (laughs) it's wild because, like, I did not watch The Simpsons at all. No one in my family watched it. None of my friends watched it. But I, it's not like I wasn't allowed to. I was watching South Park from season one. Mm-hmm. And just The Simpsons completely passed me by. And it's the weirdest thing. Because I watched TV all day, every day. And like the biggest cartoon on the face of the earth. It's like, I, I caught a couple episodes. That, that uh, Shiny Treehouse of Horror, that was pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know. Seems good. It's interesting because stuff like King of the Hill, uh, South Park, and The Simpsons, they all have their place, and their places are so different. It really doesn't serve well to compare any of them. Uh, but people still try. There was a lot of stuff, like, when King of the Hill first came out, everyone was like, how is this compared to The Simpsons? Well, it's more hyper-realistic, you know? But it tells its jokes in a different way, whereas South Park is far more satirical with what it's trying to do. The timing for the jokes is a, is a lot more different, too. Uh, and the characterization's a bit different. 
with the Simpsons, especially again, season four and season five, which are the ones I'm on right now, this is hitting so hard. Every single episode is astonishing. Like even the ones you've already heard about, everyone knows about the monorail episode, which is written by a guy named Conan O'Brien, who later got a, a TV show of his own. That, that episode's really good. That's really funny, and it it tells you know a pretty good message too. But I was astonished by some of the jokes. One of my favorite ones is they were doing a Citizen Kane episode, like Mister Burns. Loot, uh, lost his little teddy bear when he was a kid and now he's grown up and uh, the teddy bear somehow makes its way into the Simpsons household and they're sitting around at the table like oh we should return this bear to Mr. Burns and get a reward of like $350 million and Bart's like wait what if we just send him one of the eyeballs he'll pay more if he knows the bear's in danger to which Homer has the funniest line read I've ever heard on the show yes we'll send the eye <laughs> <laughs> so out of it is so out of like not out of character but like everyone else in the scene is talking in a normal voice in a normal voice and he just does that voice <laughs> it fucking destroyed me uh it's it is really good and i'm i, I want to give a special shout out thank you to uh, lady alex for you know, telling me to sit down and watch one of the best shows ever made <laughs> Uh, she did tell me. I to really s- should do that. One <laughs> yeah, day. yeah. She did tell me, "Hey, uh, stop after season 10. I wish she had told me you don't actually need to watch season one. And of course, when she said that, that meant not only do I have to watch season one, I have to watch the Tracy Ullman shorts as well. Jesus, gigantic Christ. mistake. <laughs> it looks ugly. I'll the shorts are funny. Two or three. Yeah, start at start at three. I would recommend. In fact, I. Four and five are so good. I'm thinking about buying the DVD sets for at least seasons three, four, and five. They are that good. I will say it's fairly interesting that um, if you go on Wikipedia, every episode has like its own page. You can click on it and you see all these details. I guess someone's a big Simpsons fan on Wikipedia. One of the episodes, the Mr. Plow episode, which another one that everyone knows, that has a guest appearance by Linda Ronstadt. One of the writers said the most beautiful thing he ever heard was Linda Ronstadt singing the uh, the the opposing uh, King Plow jingle or whatever it was. And I read that and I was like, yeah, come on, sure. You're just happy that Linda Ronstadt sang your little ditty. Then I watched the episode and I was like, that might actually be the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, sing to me, Linda. So, yeah, it was really good, and I watched that instead of doing more editing. I'm sorry. Naughty Chris spanking times. Uh, oh, boy. Okay, I'll, I'll get to the next one in a bit. But first, I, I went to the Alamo. There's so many good things out, and I decided to watch another classic movie because I'm a little picky. This is called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Dude, all I need to say is the scene where Arnold's riding a motorcycle and he reloads a shotgun with one hand. I how Incredible. do you dude I it did things to my seen. bodice okay <laughs> I don't know what the best part of this movie is I don't know if it's if it's Arnold himself I don't know if it's Robert Patrick I don't know if it's Linda Hamilton who's in the slideshow I don't know if it's Stan Winston and his special effects which are in the slideshow I don't know if it's James Cameron and his peerless penchant for uh, visual storytelling I don't know if it's a soundtrack I don't know if it's the incredible lighting and camera work and staging and the just just an all-around great science fiction thing but i do know the worst part of this movie it's eddie fucking furlong remember when i was talking about alien from la i said kathy ireland turned in the worst vocal performance i'd ever heard silver metal kathy (laughs) eddie furlong in his cracking voice there's a reason i prefer terminator one and it's because of eddie furlong the older i get the less patience i have for that there's one thing when I was his age, and I was like, wow, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you cross into your 30s, you're like, please put this kid out of his fucking misery. I cannot take it. 
See, that's the thing that gets me about this, is that there's little, you know, little things I dislike. Like, the more human the, 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 the Arnold Terminator becomes, the less I like him. Like, when he says at the end, I need a vacation, I'm like, he shouldn't know what a vacation is, he's a robot. But that's fine, I can deal with it, it's not, it makes sense in the universe. What doesn't make sense to me is why no one killed Eddie Furlong earlier. <laughs> What bothers me is his friend at the beginning of the movie, the kid with the orange mullet, that kid was an established actor. He was in a bunch of Nickelodeon stuff. He was in video games. He was in movies. He was in a whole bunch of shit. He should have been the lead guy. We almost had a mullet main character in a Terminator movie. It would have been the best movie ever made. Instead, Eddie Furlong was fucking cracking voice. You do make a good point about like this vis-a-vis -vis the first Terminator movie. I totally understand liking the first Terminator uh, more than this one. I, I really do. I think I do prefer Terminator 2 because the highs are much higher. Like, the the action sequences are just sensational, and some of them have yet to be topped. There is a, apparently one comedian said after Terminator 2 came out, the only way we're going to top this is if we actually start killing people in our movies. Uh, That's one of my favorite Bill Hicks routines. Oh, it's Bill Hicks. Just throwing oh, your sick mind. grandparents into these stunt doubles. <laughs> But you like your grandma to die in a nursing home, or do you want her to meet Chuck Norris? <laughs> I think about point. that yeah, a that, lot. Actually, that's actually fucking good. Yeah. Anyway, unfortunately, the lows are much lower with you know anything with Eddie Furlong. That oh, I do not like him. Sam, I am. Anyway, like, I understand that preferring two because like yeah. they're both perfect five yeah. star movies, right? But I propose uh, if this week you saw Terminator One at Alamo, you would come on next week and go. All right, dude, I changed my mind. Yes. It's going to be literally whichever one you just watched. I, I think favorite. we've established that, like, years ago, is whichever one you you watch last is uh, your favorite. So, Because uh... I watched one, I was like, yeah, I was right. Eddie Furlong sucks. His food doesn't have that. She's fucking lean, dark, grimy, neo-noir. And then I watched two, I was like, this is the, a perfect film. <laughs> this should be canonized, and everyone should copy it. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. And then I watched three, and I was like, damn, one and two are really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm thinking about Terminator 2 has some really funny moments Especially with Arnold, he's just so good at, and, and, You know the other thing is like, everyone should do Is like, Arnold's a bad actor, especially around that time And people say, oh, the only reason he's good In that is because he's playing an emotionless robot He can't emote But he's really good at that, and that's really tough And that's its own sort of thing You know, and that that's a, that takes a lot of talent Because there's a lot of people who cannot deliver That deadpan Uh for example, the scene in which uh, he pulls a gun and he almost kills a guy and Eddie Furlong stops him and he says, you can't just go around killing people. I'm not going to do the cracking voice thing. Uh, and, and Arnold's response, why? <laughs> it's just kind of perfect. He's just like, no, you can't just do that. I'm a Terminator. <laughs> By the way, that uh, that did remind me. I almost did. I had I had a date today, and I went out with a girl, and uh, she was wearing sunglasses, and I wasn't. She's was like, "Oh, isn't it bright?" I was like, "I left him in the car." And we got in the car I, when I drove her back to her apartment, and I almost did the thing from the office where he was on sunglasses. And goes, "Hey, check it out, Terminator." <laughs> <laughs> I was that it's, close. <laughs> it's very important uh, for everyone as they leave, like enter their teenage years, to watch Terminator Two. And Terminator 1, but it's one of those things where every one of you hit your teens, you enter your snarky fucking nostalgia critic phase where you just mm -hmm. want to nitpick things. Yeah. That way you say out loud, that movie's dumb. If you want to blend in, why would you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? And then someone shoves you in a locker and you're like, yeah, damn, I don't know what my deal was. Sorry, man. 
I yeah. was being a real dickhead for no reason. Exactly. Because if anyone says that to you, you're legally allowed to just spit on him and say, shut up, nerd. Oh, speaking of sharing saliva, uh, there is, there's a scene that I thought was really well done. Uh, there's a scene in which um, uh, Linda Hamilton is in the insane asylum. She's strapped to a bed and this overweight security guard uh, makes sure that she's catatonic by licking her face. And everyone in the theater cringed audibly at this scene, as well they ought to, because it's fucking hard to watch. That guy later gets whacked upside the head with a whoop-ass stick by Linda Hamilton, and you don't feel bad. And if he didn't lick her, you would have been like, ah, oh, but he's just doing his job. But now you're like, ah, oh, that's what we get for a lick at her. And I thought, you know what, that's really smart. Adding a licking Linda Hamilton's face scene. <laughs> <laughs> Felt kind of silly. Say, I'm trying to just think of, like, how hard it would be to pick your favorite moment from Terminator 2. It, you, to we could really... for a half hour never repeat ourselves and be like no damn that might be it <laughs> but what about because like we could talk for an hour and then go yeah but what about when he's got the box of roses and he pulls the shotgun out of it because that's better than like any movie that's you, ever existed you know the, the thing that about that might scene. not be top five like i don't know you know the thing about that scene is the music in the background the music in the background and the way it's shot like it's in slow mo everyone's kind of moving in slow motion perfection absolute perfection you're too so good that you don't mind the 12 minute long guns and roses song like, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Who's a Guns N' Roses song? I forgot. Hey, There's a whole music video. We'll talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Robert Patrick's performance is a, probably a top five. Just his face is fucking incredible. <laughs> of course, it led to the greatest cameo of all time in Wayne's it's, World. <laughs> that scene in Wayne's World is A+. Plus. That's one of the best cameos I've ever seen. I, I do think my favorite scene in Terminator 2, if you, had, if you were to ask me, and I, without doing too much thinking about it, again, riding his motorcycle, has a shotgun, shoots it, and reloads it with one hand by going like, whoosh, in a circle. It, it's the same reaction that I had when I saw the guy playing the double-neck flaming guitar on the truck with all the amps in Mad Max Fury Road. It's, it's like you want to stand up in the theater and just start hooting and hollering like Tarzan, you know? Your fellow you males see, are, like, around with you. <laughs> that's pretty much how I tried to describe uh, my experience with John Wick 4. It's just like several scenes where I'm just slack-jawed, kicking my feet like, do you guys see this? That's what Terminator 2 is for like two and a half straight hours. I'm glad that you brought up that transition. So I got out of that movie at 9.10, and John Wick Chapter 4 started at 9.15. And uh, I was just like, oh sweet, I just barely made it in there for John Wick Chapter 4. Dude, is John Wick Chapter 4 better than Terminator 2? <laughs> Dude, I mean... It is a conversation. It It's the same thing as which one did you watch last? Because walking out of John Wick 4, it was like, this This is the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> this movie has five or six different action scenes that I've never seen before. They're the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I can safely say, I think John Wick 4 is my favorite of the series. It's obviously better than 2 and 3. And I, I'll, I, I want to get out in front of this. I like 2 and 3 more than most people do. Uh, a lot of people say there's like a little too much lore in there. I know Alex doesn't like the third one very much. I I, I like them. I'm into them. I I think for me it goes four, one, two, three. Like you could, you know, do with that however you will. Like but one is so lean, but that that ending is a yeah anticlimactic. Yeah, it is. But oh man, John Wick Chapter Four. Let me fucking tell you, it's kind of a basic story. Basically, if anyone hasn't seen John Wick Four. Uh, you will by the time this is out, but uh, uh, the basic idea here is John Wick isn't actually dead. He's still alive, and uh, everyone's trying to hunt him down, especially the new uh, conglomerate headed by Bill Skarsgård. 
And uh, the only way that he can stop everyone, everyone points out, is like, you can't just kill him because someone else will take his place and then more people will come after you. You actually cannot win this fight. And uh, Keanu Reeves comes up with a good idea. What if I challenge him to a duel? And they're like, ooh, that could work. Let's do that. And they do. And I, I also like, who's the black guy in this? The guy with the dog, the German Shepherd? I thought it was one of my favorite additions to this whole series. I yeah, yeah we didn't get to talk in much detail because we knew we were gonna yeah. we knew you were gonna see it we didn't yeah. want to spoil anything. Right. It's one of the, you're sitting there thinking like you could probably lose this character and not miss too much from the movie, and then you get to the end of the duel you're like, oh no okay I understand you need right. more characters yeah you got it yes. understand that's fine yeah I okay this might be a spoiler if you haven't seen John Wick four yet seriously please go watch this. There is a scene that really stuck with me because it could have been done a different way, and I'm glad it wasn't done a different way. There, the guy has he travels with a German Shepherd. This German Shepherd is his partner in assassination, and it, it's what makes him so good at his job. And throughout the movie, you see this subtle pairing of uh, how the dog obeys him and follows him and truly loves him. There is there is a thing about dogs being man's best friend. There is a connection between uh, dogs and humans that no other animal really has. And there is a scene in which that dog is almost shot and killed. John Wick has a chance to kill this guy. He's been trying to kill him throughout the entire movie for two and a half hours. And instead, he shoots the guy who's going to shoot the dog. He saves that dog's life. And the guy sees it and knows it happened. And as such, he saves John Wick at the end. Because he realizes that there's something more to kill him. There's something more than his, his own reputation as the ultimate assassin. There's something more than the $25 million bounty on John Wick's head. There's love. There's love for his dog. And that is a very serious uh, thing in this world. And it really stuck with me. There are lines in John Wick 4 that are so well written, they really stick with me. I don't remember exactly how it's worded, but it was the one about friendship means nothing if it's only convenient. And I was like, gosh, that is a great line. I, I That's really a like powerful that. line, but almost as powerful as Donnie Inns. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> that was got really the loudest reaction. Of Man, I forgot to mention. Um, so I said like yeah. there was a whole row of us in the D box seats, mm-hmm. and then right to my left was just a middle aged couple, and I was sitting right next to this like gotta be early fifties woman. After every single fight scene, it would just be dead silence. I was here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, wow. And this went on the entire movie, including, like, she just kept getting rowdier as the movie went on and the stakes kept getting in. She was, like, going, yeah, get him, after he shot the dude who went after the dog. She was getting hyped. She went apeshit for him saving that dog. I just hope she's doing well wherever she is. Okay, so I want to give you my, my favorite scene and my least favorite scene. My favorite scene is the Scott Atkins scene. And my least favorite scene is a Scott Atkins scene. Let Correct. me ex- yeah. a scene that should not be in the movie because the movie's too long. But also, so I come, <laughs> look at him. I, I come at this from two perspectives. One, I love seeing Scott Atkins fight in a fat suit. It's it's about that simple. I'm a simple man. I have simple desires and I have simple wants and needs. And one of them is seeing Scott Atkins fight in a fat suit, like he's Bob from Tekken. Uh, during that whole poker scene, which yeah, it's drawn out, but. I, I will top your theater experience uh, with Josh's theater experience. He sat next to his younger brother, Jared, who, when he turned over his first two, he laughed and said, he's got five twos. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, unfortunately, I didn't laugh that hard at that scene because uh, that joke has been done better in uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. 
I remember Eustace was playing poker with some. I don't remember. He's like, "Yeah, beat that five aces," and the guy's playing is like, <laughs> "Check this out, six aces." <laughs> anyway, I I don't know how Donnie Yen was able to smell the cards and know he's got four of a kind, but whatever. Who cares? Yeah, I didn't understand. Yeah, I. Don't, I it's but not, I was also like, uh, he's probably cheating. This yeah, doesn't exactly. matter. Sooner he's, or later, they're all going to start fighting, and he's, then he he's probably took faking a riff it. of his inhaler. <laughs> yeah, and I got real excited. Yeah, so. What I, what bothered me is I like the fight scene itself. What I don't like is, and I've I do this all the time. It's a club scene. It's not the music. It's the people dancing in the background. Sometimes they're dancing. Sometimes they're 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 uh, that lady behind you going, oh my goodness, you know, trying to get out of the way of the fat guy fighting. And it wasn't really consistent. And usually these movies have better quality control about like what's going around in the background and stuff. And like I, I will see the same person dancing in one frame, and then the next frame they're like, oh, what? And then they're back to dancing again. I'm like, oh, come on, guys, you're better than this. But ultimately, that it's not that important. I do think that there is some sort of like they talk about the world building in John Wick. There is a lot of world building where it's just assassinations occur with such frequency that no one is ever bothered. Remember there was like when they kill Lance Reddick at the beginning of the movie, both the secretaries are just typing kindly like nothing happened, you know? It was just like, yeah, you know, another day at the office, someone got killed, glad it wasn't me. But, uh, what else did I like about it? Uh, Josh laughed really hard when John Wick fell down the steps. It's just... It's... <laughs> the fucking... I, you can't not think of Hot Rod. Right. <laughs> he falls down for so long. I really thought that he was going to, like, get up and be, like, shakily... It feels like he was going for extra, you know? He was like, oh... No, no, no! Like, there's a brief pause, and then he keeps falling again. <laughs> Uh, I I liked it. I had a really good time with it. I I I liked all the characters. I uh, I was always interested in what was happening. I uh, John Wick Four. There's a reason that this is popular, and people could say, "Oh, you know, guns in America." And yeah, guns in America is a huge problem. I'm not going to fucking pretend that it isn't. But the reason people like this isn't because of guns. People like seeing quality. People like seeing hard work. I I get the feeling that people are able to discern when they see that someone has worked very hard on something. It's not just like, oh, I like Keanu Reeves, because Keanu Reeves is like, what, five lines in this movie? He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not just that we like watching this guy, although we do like watching him, and I like watching him. It's, it's that this is really impressive shit, especially Donnie Yen with the blind fighter shit. That's really cool. It's like, I like this character. I know he's an antagonist, but I want to see what he's going to do next. You know? That goes a long way. Like... When they just tease, by the way, how much did you love the whole, like, last hour of the movie just becoming the Warriors? Dude, I am so my happy! my god, dude. I am so, it's that so was, good. I will say, that was one of the single most direct references I've ever seen in a movie, where you put it well, it's like, it just is the Warriors. They play the exact same song. Because <laughs> you're like, alright, we're gonna have the duel in the morning, you're like, there's like yeah. an hour of movie left, and then there's like, nah, you're just gonna follow him all night, and when they show the dragon's breath shotgun ammo, you could feel like our whole group just like, especially the dudes, because dudes yeah, rock, just yes. like shuffling like, is, is that going to come back? <laughs> that sequence, <laughs> I cannot wait to watch that sequence again. Exactly. This is, this is going to be one I'm going to be watching a lot. I think this is going to be one where... I mean, you see all these lists of, like, the greatest movies of all time, and it's, and it's always stuff like The Wages of Fear, a French movie from 1953 that's slow and boring and it's not as good as Sorcerer. 
some years from now, people are going to be talking about the John Wick series, and they're going to be talking about this was a great series. This left a mark on cinema. At least I hope they will, because this is really great stuff. This is good art. This is high art. And now, for something else I watched. Uh, Parker, I like Batman. Okay, I, uh, yeah. I I think it is fair. I can finally admit it. I am a fan of Batman. I've got I have got multiple Batman comics. You know, a few years ago, I never would have thought I would have said it, but it's true. I have multiple Batman comics. I've seen uh, the show, the animated series. I've seen most of the movies, if not all the movies. Most of them. I guess there's some animated stuff I haven't seen. Uh, but I've only ever seen uh, one. I, I guess technically two episodes. It's a uh, part one, part two of the '66 Batman show. Parker, did you ever watch the '66 Batman show? I watched the movie, but me too. Never any actual episode. <laughs> I was not paying attention during the movie. I was just like, "Yeah, you, oh, you can't." <laughs> yeah, it's just... I mean, as someone who loves bits, I appreciated it because you, yeah, it's the same thing that everyone you hear about how campy it is and how silly and dumb it is, and then you watch it for five minutes, you're like, "Oh, they knew." Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, but then it's like, I don't really want to watch this, but you know, it's I, good to know, like, no, everyone knew what this was. You're yeah. not smarter than the TV show. Right, yeah. See, I'm, I'm always of two minds about it. It's like, because when I watched the episode, I was just like, yeah, this isn't really for me. But you remember how much we both enjoyed Batman and Robin, and Batman and Robin, the movie, the 1997 movie, that's basically just the Batman 66 show, you know? It's just doing the same thing that it did. It, it understood what it was. Uh, also, I like Adam West, and not just in Zombie Nightmare with Tia Carrera. There was an episode of The Simpsons, season four, in which Adam West is a guest star. And it's one of the funniest guest star moments. He's just like, why doesn't Batman dance anymore? I don't... (laughs) He's talking about, oh, those Tim Burton movies. I didn't need any adamantium steel body armor. Pure West. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle Pfeiffer. The only real cat women are Lee Merriweather, Julie Newmar, and Eartha Kitt. And Homer's just like backing away with the kids. So I read some behind the scenes of that episode. Just I wasn't even like curious. I just kind of stumbled across it. Apparently, Bat, uh, Adam West was one of, if not the most popular guest star that they had. The writers were just going, oh my god, I have to meet Batman. It was a huge, huge moment for them. And I, even my dad was just like, oh, yeah, Batman was a huge hit show. Everyone on the trivia team, they're all in their 60s. They they love the Batman show. And I'm like, really? You guys like Even Jeff likes it. And there's something wrong with that boy. But still, I was like, am I just missing out? I guess I have FOMO for not getting it. So I decided I would not watch it. And instead, I would watch the 1943 Batman serial. This is a black and white thing that came out. This is technically the first film version of Batman. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, I've never seen any of these serials. Can I wager a guess? Uh, no. So I, okay, I have, enough. I have a script here. This is, uh, oh, this is one no. of the, uh, this is basically one of the episodes. I have transcribed it here, and all I want you to do is to read your part as a sign. Now, this is unfortunate because this is technically three parts. Uh. There is a part of the villain, Daka, which was written for Alex. He's not here, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, Parker, I will play the part of Batman. You will play the part of Robin, okay? Here we go. I, and I'll put in, like, some Batman music underneath it. And I'll, I'll just send it to you over Discord, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'll do the narrator's voice that uh, says this is the interior of the Batcave, which... 
just kind of looks like a room in the mansion. Hey, I have some questions about my lines. Here. Yeah, and it's it's okay. Just you can just like you know sight read them. It's okay. So Batman and yeah, no, I'm I'm sight reading. <laughs> I... So Batman and Robin. Sir, my are... name is on the intro of this show. <laughs> Sir, I'm interviewing yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Can you not? yeah, it's it's okay. Anyway, so Batman and Robin are poring over a map at a table. Batman is running his finger over the streets of Gotham City. Suddenly, he is struck by an idea. He must stop his next foe. Come, Robin. We must stop the dastardly Daka from his plans to take over Gotham City. That's right, Batman. I wonder where that... My connections in the Gotham City underworld tell me he's currently residing in an underground cavern beneath the docks by the wharf. Robin, go ahead. An underground cavern? Golly, that's just like those treacherous... But how can we get there? I'll lay five to one that there's an access point hidden somewhere in the Gotham City sewer system. The sewers? But Batman, those sewers smell worse than any... Wow, I've I've never heard that one. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of tough to read that one out loud, so we'll just uh, we'll yeah, yeah a little bit yeah it's you have to like do vocal warm ups in order to uh, get it okay. Come, chum, us heroes must often make sacrifices in the name of justice. All right, fine. I just hope we don't run into any sav. All right, so we uh... can we get some. Uh, can I get some uh, hot tea from my throat? For me this <laughs> All right, so let's uh, we go to the interior of the sewer where Batman and Robin are ambushed by the fiendish Daka. Uh, Parker, could you do uh, Daka's voice? All right, Robin, go ahead. Oh <laughs> no, I don't think I'll be saying that. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think Pearl Harbor had happened by the time he sees. <laughs> So, uh, I have to... Wait, those those slurs don't even make sense together. Wait a yeah, second. Yeah, no, I kind of... I At the end, I was running out. <laughs> I didn't know how to be uh, that racist. Uh, before you sent this, and when I asked if uh, I could take a guess, and you said no, yeah. my guess was going to be, does this deal with the Chinese? It turns out... <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Holy guacamole. In a sense. Uh, yeah, so that whole sequence, which unfortunately we had to cut, you have to pay for the premium episode in order to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> the Batman 1943 serial is, and I, I make no exaggeration here, one of the most racist things I've ever seen. Uh, this makes Song of the ha- this makes Song of the South look classy. Er. The the thing about this is they keep saying the word and I, and I don't like saying this word. Please don't say this. Jap. Jap is a slur. It's not just an abbreviation for Japanese. This is a slur. And wh- one of the reasons that it is a slur is because it was used as... They deny Japanese people plurality. They weren't even called the Japs. They called it the Jap. As it was an entire nation. Like they were the Borg, you know? And it was it was fucked up. And to watch it in here... I, I should have seen it coming because I knew there was a war on. But good God... He's the only villain in the entire show for 15 episodes. It's like four hours of the fiendish Dr. Daka. <laughs> and he says something to me. It was a little Japanese. <laughs> I couldn't tell you to say it was probably Japanese. It is. I knew it to be a threat. I'm going to be honest, dude. Some of those lines I, I, I didn't make up. Some of those are verbatim. Some of the, especially the, like the, the shifty eyed Jap. That, the narrator actually says that in, uh, I think, episode one. And I was like, what the fuck? I hope Two-Face shows up. 
<laughs> one of the reasons I get into it is oh, I mama hope eggheads in this one. These shifty eyed jabs have taken over our sewers. Like, mommy, Uh-oh. why would they want our sewers? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, something stupid like that. Also, <laughs> imagine some comic artist crossing that out and writing penguins. All right, print it. <laughs> <laughs> I fixed your little movie. Yeah, so uh, you might be wondering, if you just discount all the racism, is the Batman 1943 serial worth watching? To which I would respond, no! So the the biggest thing here is that uh, Batman fucking sucks. He keeps he keeps just he gets the shit kicked out of him every single battle. This guy is so fucking bad at fighting. He just throws his body into bad guys like that that Spider Man comic where he goes fapo. <laughs> you know what's really fucked up is one of the reasons I was kind of curious in this is I saw a picture which I think was generated by AI of uh, Jimmy Stewart dressed as Two-Face for the 1943 Batman serial. There is no Two-Face. There's no Joker. There's no Catwoman. There's there's only the fiendish Daka. <laughs> I got tricked by the computer <laughs> to watching racism. <laughs> you got a fucking phishing email to watch a 1940 Batman serial. Ah, oh, the picture tricked me, so I had to write a bunch of racial <laughs> slurs and send it to my good friend. Make him read it before his job interview. <laughs> I oh, this is bad. This is this is really bad. And the worst part about it is, if I were to tell my dad about this, he'd be like, "It was a different time back then. Fifteen years before I was born." <laughs> you can say those things. It was encouraged. Yeah, it was, it was locker room. This bat cave talk. Yeah, <laughs> and I was so close to getting Alex to just do the be so horny. <laughs> He would have. He totally would. I was thinking of the. Wait, fucking... actually, no. He definitely gives a shit right now. Oh yeah, never mind. Oh fuck. Anyway, so uh, I was actually. Yeah, we all ran your name. Uh, <laughs> you want to explain this? The... Mr. I misplays characters. Actually, like actually, I maybe I'm the fucked up one. The girl I went I went on a date with is uh, fresh off the boat from Mongolia, and she speaks very little English. So, luckily, she's not listening. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you want to see something cool? Cut all that. <laughs> He like Batman. Remember the hero with the cape and the cowl? Let's put this on. <laughs> you have to understand there was a war. This time, well, uh, you know, American morale was at a low, and we needed. In, you know, it's weird. They never really talk about Daka in the in the Rogues Gallery of Batman. <laughs> he's got a Some giant say, penny. <laughs> Some people say he's even more dangerous than all the other ones combined. Yeah. What's the, what's the shit that he has in his uh, back cave? He's got the giant penny. He's got, um... <laughs> Is he responsible for the giant T-Rex? Yeah, the giant T-Rex. And he's got, uh... It's got a pair of chopsticks. <laughs> Killer God chopsticks. Damn it. Actually, Doc is kind of a piece of shit, too. Doc is, like, easily uh, taken care of. At one point, they actually say it's like... Uh, I don't know. He does something like I care. Like, why? That's... That's a move that's about as yellow as your skin. And I was just like, fuck. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> now, would I be correct in assuming they just mix uh, all Asian cultures and get them confused? No, actually, they're not. I, I will say that I, like I said, I ran out of uh, slurs. So I was just like, as soon as I watched it, I was just like, I remember when we did the dramatic reading of the, the Rain Assaults the Pavement for Batman v Superman. I was like, let's, yeah, let's fucking, how about we do this? Can you imagine Chris Stuckman like, playing Robin in my new <laughs> script? <laughs> oh, cut. <laughs> what? It is, it, it, seriously, dude, like. He puts in the fake teeth and says, you've been Stuckmanized. <laughs> 
I uh, dude, this is this is more racist than Mickey Rourke in fucking Breakfast at Tiffany's. All right, it, this is this is about as racist. Yeah, but one was made forty years earlier. Yeah, exactly. Hope, so. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. Yeah, you know, we had four decades to think about it. So uh, put the chopsticks in and make a walrus sound. You freak. Yeah, like, oh, it's shit, it's what? maybe not on the same level as Birth of a Nation, but uh, you could see it very quickly. You know, you could see it like right through the window. Be like, hey, how's it going, neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fucking <laughs> yes. the new Robin. The new sheriff is a what? <laughs> He's on his way. <laughs> By the way, they're showing. Yeah, you the... can never make the Batman serials today. Cancel culture. <laughs> I was, I was telling Josh told me it's like, oh man, Blazing Saddles is showing on a on a at a theater in North Bethesda in uh, on a Sunday, and I was like, you should go. It's your favorite movie, and he's like, I can't. It's my mom's birthday. I'm like. Take your mom. <laughs> My dad took his mom to see Blazing Saddles. Look how I turned out. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, I remember my mom like dying laughing. Not at the slurs, but of course uh, at the Beans Campfire scene. It's, thank you. I'm glad someone laughed at that. <laughs> God bless her heart. That woman loves a fart joke more than anyone I've ever met in my life. God bless her. That's... And that's why my brain is broken. <laughs> get her on the show. Okay, so uh, enough of Batman for now. Until I get bored and I watch the 66 version and I don't like it as much because it's, it's too pro-Japanese. If you like slurs, uh, tune into our Chasing Amy discussion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, or you'll I, listen and go, "Wow, I haven't heard someone say Dyke in 15 years." Right. He just keeps yelling at it. This poor gay man. Dude, I don't understand they, this movie. The, the F slur keeps coming. Anyway, so it's okay because the gay guy laughed. Oh so, like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, because he, he was paid to. <laughs> so <laughs> correct. I I cannot emphasize this enough. I actually felt bad watching the Batman serial. I felt like I was a bad. I guess this is what they call liberal guilt or something. And I'm not a liberal, but like it's. I guess white guild is really what it is. And I'm not white. But, like, I, I did feel, like, you know, kind of bad. I, I do have a, a Japanese friend, and she was one who told me, like, hey, you know, Jap is a slur, don't you? And all it takes is once, you know? Unlike the characters in Kevin Smith movies. So I you said, just unroll a piece of parchment, and you're like, another one? You just scribble <laughs> it on the bottom. Well, you can't say anything! <laughs> what can I call them? For? Wait, what? <laughs> All right, so uh, I decided I'll make it up to them. I will repay my debt to the nation of Japan by paying twelve seventy five to watch one of their movies in a theater over here. This is called Suzume. Yes, it's finally out. Uh, Parker, remember when he watched Your Name? I do. Yeah, I remember the tears again, but yeah. also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't submit myself to uh, emotional devastation often. Yeah, I, I got you. See, my thing about your name is I think it is the best thing to come out of Japan since Sashimi. I think it is a justification of the medium. Not anime, but animation as a whole. This is like a reason why animation is worth defending because we get shit like your name, which is just astonishing. Gorgeous, great storytelling, great writing, great characters. I love the art. It is wonderful. The same guy has done other work. Uh... He did a movie called Weathering With You, which I watched with my uh, Japanese friend, Michelle, uh, who I, could, I guess I could just call Michelle. And uh, she, <laughs> she... So, like, you just wrote that script. It's still on your mind. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. And it's still kind of bothering. Hey, really, dude, that, that the whole fucking serial is really fucked up, dude. Anyway, I watched Weathering With You with her, and she said she liked it even more than your name. And this means something to me because she grew up in Japan, and one of the reasons that people have strong connections to these movies, Suzume and Weathering With You and Your Name, is because they do something that a lot of anime just never really does very well. It shows these 
astonishing, gorgeous, photorealistic depictions of real Japanese locations. And if you grew up in Japan, you've seen these steps before. You've seen this countryside before. And it's real and it's there. It's not just like, oh, I was thinking of it. It's like, this is something that you have a connection to in your homeland. And Weathering With You does that even more than your name does. And there's value in that. Now, that being said, there's something that the director, who's I think it's Makoto Shinkai. Makoto Shinkai said about your name, uh, he felt that that work was unfinished, which is, that's astonishing to me. Because that movie is perfect. That No change is necessary. It does everything that it needs to do. Everything that he's done since then, Weathering With You and Suzume, they both feel unfinished. It feels like he he was under a lot of pressure. Everyone's like, where's your next big hit? Come on, Elvis, we need the next one. And he has these great ideas uh, for weathering with you, and they're all tied into natural disasters, which seem to happen a lot to Japan. Uh, and they're often dealing with teenage romance, which is an important theme to deal with, especially in Japan. And it never really seems to square the circle quite as well as your name. They're not quite... Uh, they're, they're not quite... Uh, as cohesive. I, uh, I wrote down a synopsis of Susume in case you're considering watching it, and I do recommend it. I think it is a very good movie. So, uh, let's see. Da, 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 I had to write it down. Okay, so Susume uh, is uh, a young girl. She lives in Japan, and she lives with her aunt. She lost her mother in the 311 tsunami. This is an important plot point. A lot of people in America don't even know what that is. That's understandable, but some people in Japan forgetting about the 311 tsunami and that is a scary thing the movie sort of deals with that in a way and one day she happens across a very very handsome man like just suddenly something in her loins jumps she's like i gotta follow this fella turns out he's what's called a closer he has to go to these doorways and close them before these, these supernatural demons from another dimension come in and cause natural disasters and uh she partners up with him to do this. And then he gets turned into a chair. Now, you might be wondering, uh, did what? you mispronounce that? Yeah, I mean a children's chair. Uh, you know, like a, something a child would sit in. And the chair can walk and move and uh, talk to people. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it is it is a very cute chair, <laughs> I gotta say. And I like, I like, I called it chair-san. No one else did. So, uh, copyright Chris Field, 2023. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, and at the end of the movie, he turns back into a human. I kind of got the same thing I did from like Beauty and the Beast. Where remember when the Beast turns into a human and Bell says, "It's you." My my reaction was, "Who?" <laughs> I don't even know who that guy. Turn back into the Beast, which they do for the special Christmas movie. Anyway, uh, which I never watched. Uh, yeah. No. I, anyway. I <laughs> lucky he's busy. <laughs> Just wouldn't watch it. Anyway, uh, there's a couple oh, yeah. little cats that are, I think are voiced by children. I I like the writing. I I like the characters, but I think the characters are not fully fleshed out. I suppose uh, the art is fantastic. I I think what Makoto Shinkai does is what everyone. What I like about Makoto Shinkai is what everyone else likes about Hayao Miyazaki. I like the way everything looks. I like the animation. I like the countrysides. I like uh, the imagination, the magic. I like the way the food looks. And everyone talks about for uh, that for uh, Hayao Miyazaki. I get it. But I think Makoto Shinkai does it better. I don't think he's Satoshi Kon, but I think he is very good at what he does. I think if you watch this, you will absolutely not have the same emotional reaction that you did to your name. 
but you'll like it. You'll think it's pretty good. But I was talking about this with a friend who watched it and said, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not really great. You know, you get that feeling of disappointment. Like you saw the masterpiece and everything since then has just been like pretty good. It feels weird as like someone who's ostensibly a film critic be like, eh, it's okay, I guess. It feels like that scene where Homer goes to Australia and he wants like the really big can of uh, Fosters. And he give, they give him like this gigantic fucking 75 gallon can. He's like, yeah, it's pretty big. You know, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about Susan, man. Anyway, uh, it's it's still good. It's, it's just not quite as good as your name. But what is? Anyway, last exactly. one. I went. Oh, I will say, <laughs> uh, Alex, just uh, when you hear this, when he said 311 Tsunami, I bit the inside of my cheek as hard as I could. I appreciate that. But I you knew... knew I was thinking it. Yeah. I just wanted you to know. You knew that yeah. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> the, the last one I watched is I went to the Alamo with my good, I hesitate to use the word friend, Josh. And we watched Army of Darkness, which we, I think we did last year. And last year, there was that guy who, during all the cool moments, would go, Whoa! <laughs> that dude rules. And unfortunately, he wasn't there this time. And oh, uh, damn it. In fact... Could you imagine? Yeah. God, could you imagine? I know. It, it It really made me like feel kind of sad. Instead, someone, someone else sat next to us. Hey! <laughs> Some guy, I don't know who this motherfucker was, but he was laughing at the jokes, he was clearly having a good time, and he was having a discussion with a surfer, which I wasn't trying to listen to, because I go to the movies to hear Bruce Campbell talk. I don't go to the movies to hear anyone else talk, right? Anyway, at, at some point, their discussion became so animated that even I could hear it, uh, and she said, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what's wrong with it. I'll, I'll talk to the projectionist, and uh, but there's nothing they can do. And he says, well, your manager should do something about it if they really want to be a manager. And ten minutes later, in the, in the first act of the movie, he left and didn't come back. I, Good. Parker, I have seen uh, this movie, Army of Darkness, like, I don't know, uh... Uh, how many times have I seen this? Like 400 times, you know, 50 times. It's, I, I know what it looks like. I, I know what how it's supposed to look. It looked exactly fine the entire time. I think I noticed one smudge on one of the lenses during one of the scenes. I think that's there in the original print. It's not a big deal. Who cares? I don't know what this guy was complaining about, but the movie looked fucking gorgeous on a big screen, I want to say. There's, there were no problems. The The sound was fine. I don't know what this guy's complaint was. But I found the only person on planet Earth who was stupid enough to go to a showing of Army of Darkness and not have a good time. I like to imagine he just turned backwards in his seat and crossed his arms and refused to watch the movie. <laughs> I I don't know how you could watch this and, and not be happy. Like, Josh and I were, were kicking our feet with glee. We were laughing at, at stuff that we have laughed at every single time we've seen it. But it's still funny, you know? And uh, I will say that he did bring up a good point. He's like, you know, this isn't a horror movie. And I was just like, no, no, it's not a horror movie. It's an adventure movie. It's intended to be an adventure movie. It does that very well. It does its comedy very well. But... No, it's not a horror movie. Uh, and it doesn't need to be. You know, it, it, it is good at being exactly what it is. I will say that uh, we got lucky they showed the theatrical cut. Uh, no offense to Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi, but you guys are wrong. The director's cut is not as good as the theatrical cut. 
just always watch the theatrical cut of Army of Darkness. Refresh me again on which is which. The, I haven't thought of. The, it's been I, I I know this better than I know my own shoe size, dude. The theatrical I assumed. the theatrical cut is when he winds up at Esmart after he says the words, drinks the potion, and uh, that has the immortal line, "Hail to the king, baby." You do not get that in the director's cut. In the director's cut, he he sleeps too long after the potion. He winds up in uh, a post-apocalyptic future uh, with a long beard and everything. And uh, I get it. I understand you're trying to continue the series. That's not as funny. And I, I want more jokes. I want more comedy. There, I want more action. The scene where he's shooting the shotgun at uh, that she-bitch, Deadite, that's really good. That's really funny. Also, Ted Raimi is in the theatrical cut. Q-E-D. Parker, what yeah, did you... Yeah, theatrical is way better. Yeah, Par- uh, Parker, watch. Uh, what did you watch? Fucking nothing, buddy. You ready to talk about... <laughs> Chasing Amy? A movie. Oh, God. I mean, I've been watching TV shows, but it's yeah. like... Um, I've watched seven episodes out of the first season of Succession. Alex isn't here, so... I- you know, I know I need to get to we'll it. Get I know I'm way behind. I, I gotta see fucking I'm succession. Also way behind, but it's real good though. Yeah, that's why. Turns out literally everyone was right. Weird how that works. Yeah, it's you know, hey, remember the show that everyone liked? Turns out it's good. Uh, kind of like The Simpsons. A lot of people don't know that. All right, so here's here's chasing Amy, <laughs> as some people call it, the good Kevin Smith movie. I mean, comparatively, and <laughs> so much as one can be, it, yeah, it has to be this and Clerks, right? Yeah. Well, again, I, I haven't seen Clerks in a very long time. I, that does seem like something we will well, be revisiting at some point. It's, it's come. Yeah. I will say, uh, look, I tolerate a lot from my fellow horror fans, you included. I will not hear that Tusk is a good movie. That movie can eat my whole ass. I still have not seen Tusk. I uh... <laughs> hate. Tusk. Yeah, Tusk is not on the list. I'm very happy. I know that uh, our good friend Alex and his wife doesn't like Tusk, so good. <laughs> I trust her it's taste. I shan't be watching it. Uh, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting he directed that. Is that even in the VSQ universe? I don't think Red State is. I don't think so. I think he stopped yeah. tying him in, and then he did again. Then, yeah, right. Yeah, he needed uh, that sooner or later. Look, if we do more Kevin Smith movies, I'll. I'll watch the new stuff. I'll bite that bullet. I already made you do it. Yeah. Oh, you will. I think you will find uh, that it looks like most Kevin Smith movies. So oh, good. Chasing Amy starts with maybe the worst opening credit song I've ever heard in my life. I don't remember what it's called. I just hated it. Uh, Before the song even started, I hit play and I saw an hour 50. Oh, like, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Big Kev. Yeah. Well. This is a fucking romantic comedy starring Ben Affleck. I was expecting a tight 90. I was going to have this watch before I went into work today. Come home, relax. I was livid. God damn it, dude. Yeah. So the movie starts at Comic-Con, and all my hopes for him learning his lessons from Mallrats go completely out the window. (laughs) Yeah, my God. It is. uh, I just really wish Alex could be here, because he is the comic book movie fan. He he does really like it. He's really missing out. Yeah, he he actually jacks off to comics. So, uh, who are their main characters? We're not saying their names, no. Uh, they're no. Jason they're Lee Jason and Ben, Lee Affleck. And ben Affleck. I'm not saying Holden. Yeah. I was going to make a joke that's like one is the artist and the other is the other artist, but uh, they already make a joke in here. They make a, so one is uh, the pencil guy, the other is the inker. And they Including use... Including Casey Affleck. 
Yeah. In 1996. Oh, good. So they I use bet this. that guy's never done anything wrong. It's they fine. use this as an opportunity to have some guy who goes to a comic book convention and doesn't know what an inker's job is. Like, look, I, I don't know shit about art. I, I can't draw for shit, but I know what an inker does. I know what it means to apply ink to, you know, pencils. It's like the drawings sort of like take shape. I, I get it. This guy doesn't know, and he's at a comic book convention. And it's one of the central flaws See, in this movie. Sorry, do you want to... It seems like a, just a critical part of the entire process of making a comic book. Yeah. That if you were a convention of sorts, you wouldn't need that explained to you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it almost feels like going up to a writer is like, well, you know, the actors are the ones who are saying it. You know, writing's not really that big of a deal. It's almost like you're just typing, you know? And the guy's like, yeah, but without my writing they wouldn't know what to say it's like yeah but they're the ones saying it you know it's, it's just an asinine conversation and i get that this is a conversation that kevin smith has clearly had with someone that ke- that someone was like leafing through a comic book not actually reading just saying anchor well you have to apply ink because someone can't do it on their own was it like a caddy in golf and he has like no you don't understand it's different and he had to explain and then he decided he would put into a movie i get it this is called tarantinoing you watch a Tarantino movie, and he puts in a conversation that he has had that he thinks is interesting, and he puts into his movie. With Tarantino, it works, because Tarantino is good at writing dialogue. We're like, remember the, the tipping conversation in uh, Reservoir Dogs, or the foot massage conversation in Pulp Fiction. That's well-written. That It feels like those characters are saying it. In this, it is very clunky it feels like he's trying to get his issues out of the way and it's not the first time this it's not the last time this movie will do this and uh i did not like it anyway the name of their parker what's the name of their comic i forget it doesn't have a catchy name what's it about blunt man and chronic no 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 what's what's actually come on don't just make up stuff about me. come on uh, the fiendish <laughs> doc and chronic <laughs> Yes, uh um... like look, I know we're just like it's super obnoxious to be like, oh, why would he not know what an inker is? Look, it's not my fault that that's the joke the movie opens with and yeah. it fucking sucks. Yeah. I didn't choose to start the movie this way. That was a real case of like, oh, uh oh. Yeah. We might have bit off more than we could chew here. This might be a much longer movie than I did. That's exactly how I felt. I was I will say I was happy to see uh Ethan Suppley. I I like that guy. I like him in almost everything. I, I kind of... Almost everything was the uh, prequel to Everything Ever Roll at once. Anyway, uh, it's also what I... Uh... Like, I'm just gonna <laughs> destroy my own credibility here and say, like, it, I'm gonna keep making jokes about it. Yeah. But I think it's cute every time they reference the other movies. I don't care. I... Fuck it. I don't care. Whatever. I... D- you okay, say not every time. You... Let me let me stop myself. <laughs> not every time. Let me let me. But just... when they just like mention something from Clerks in Passing, I'm like, oh, that's cute. Did they mention something from Clerks in Passing in this? Uh, fucking the main character, her friend was the one that fucked the corpse in the bathroom. We'll get there. We'll oh get yeah, the oh, right, 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 It's right, it's okay. coming your way. See, or... there's just a lot of that where it's like, oh yeah, I also knew this person from that movie. It's like yeah, that's all I need. It's yeah. See, cute. okay. So here's uh, an interesting corollary. So Stephen King does this too. You know, and sometimes when Stephen King does it, you're just like, okay, I get it. But for example, when I was reading Fairy Tale, which is a Stephen King book, he makes a brief reference to Cujo. I had the same reaction that you did. I was like, oh, that's cute. I, I think Stephen King of all people has earned that. You know, <laughs> you can just fucking do that. And with uh, with Kevin Smith, I don't really have a problem with him doing it in this movie because I believe this is his third movie. 
I mean, the man doesn't know if he has a career tomorrow. You know, <laughs> this guy, he's, he's under some pretty tough times. Mallrats was a huge failure. Good. And it's like, he, you know, he might not be able to make movies anymore. This guy can't make movies. I don't know what he's going to do. Right? Blunt Man and Chronic, maybe. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, right, uh, Batman comics. But the other thing is it, it really... Oh, yeah. Anyway, he... Uh, yeah. yeah. He... You like Batman comics, don't you, Chris? <laughs> I, want, oh, I hope he writes the DACA adaptation. Anyway, he... Uh, <laughs> so, he... Uh, I It gets to something that I'll get to later on. You can tell Kevin Smith believes in and has faith in his dialogue he really does Ooh, yeah for good or for ill mostly for ill uh anyway after this uh, so th- anyway so you see ethan supley in here and he was also in mall rats hey look the more ethan supley i have in this uh that that's good uh, by the way about almost everything i was making a joke that's what paco likes to eat at buffets holy shit boom got him, got him. Not cutting that. Chasing gravy. <laughs> Roll credits. So, oh, wait. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Found the new title. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. So, uh, Parker, how do you think uh, Kevin Smith feels about race politics? You know, it was a turbulent time in American <laughs> history in 1996, New Jersey. <laughs> this is... What the fuck this was is... he doing? <laughs> it's stuff that doesn't really, like... I don't even want to say hold up now, because like it's it's a comedy from 25 years ago. Yeah, most of the jokes aren't going to work. But I kind of just appreciate the having a thought and just be like, yeah, I'm just going to put this in my movie and make people say it. Like This is completely independent. Because um, it was going to be with Miramax again. They wanted a whole different cast. And he's like, if I just make it for like 200 grand, can I cast my friends? And they said yes. So like it's literally just him with his friends directing all of his own words. And that gives it a charm that it took a bit to grow on me because a lot of these jokes don't work, but it's it's kind of cute that he just has these stupid little ideas. He's like, well, we're too small of a fish for anyone to bother to say no to. So that really uh, got me through these early scenes where... Uh, yeah, I get why it. Is this, why is this whole subplot exist? <laughs> I, I get it, yes. militant black comic book creator. I, this sucks, but I, also like... Oh, that's funny. I think, I yeah. I mean, not funny, but... Yeah, it, it's cute. You know, he casts his friends in the movie where the black superhero is named Cracker Hating Coon. I, I get it, yeah. So... You know, <laughs> I had a real question, which was, do you think he wrote these words in the script like Tarantino definitely does? Or oh, do yeah, of, I know he did. I know he did because you mentioned on one of his commentaries that he was like, no, read the words in the script. Do it this way. Yeah, no improvising. And the guy has to read it like this as a, a sort of black power Huey Newton sort of thing, which, uh, okay, Kev, you didn't like Black Panther. We get it. Or maybe he did like Black Panther and he was just like, huh, how do I turn this into a thing in my movie? And he did. I think For it's Ill. mostly just because he spoke a lot, especially back in the early days about Spike Lee being a huge influence. He probably thought he was paying homage. He's just... I wonder it's how Spike dumb, Lee feels man. about this. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. I mean, he's blessed start. He's just a big dumb nerd. Do you he think? Bl- he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like my thing, but it's like reference to like you know those movies. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's like, no, Kevin. How do you think Spike Lee don't... feels about the porch monkey scene in Clerks too? <laughs> I just respect him taking it back. They're taking it back. Yeah. All right. So here's my thing. So There's a he... lot of slurs this episode. Yeah. Good job, us. By the way, I, I've mentioned the. Uh, we're taking it back, so I'll slur anymore. So uh, <laughs> the the uh, the fucking uh, I 
I, I've mentioned about like Clerks Three and the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot that they look like Kevin Smith movies, and that is a problem because they keep on looking like them. And there's something that keeps occurring in these is reaction shots, especially from Kevin Smith himself, who loves to go like, hmm? you know, he loves to make that reaction shot. He thinks it's the funniest thing in the world, and he does that in pictures with all his fans. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, I was literally as we were talking earlier. I'm scrolling through my phone and I just saw the close up of him crying after watching some comic book movie. He's always making that fucking face. He always does that fucking face. I don't get it. Anyway, so he, uh, you see a brief shot of that where it's right before Jason Lee gets shot by, uh, that black guy, uh, which is probably not how he's credited. Anyway, he he does like oh, oh the guy pulled out a gun and they get shot. This is supposed to be funny. It sells. I it's the lamest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And then he starts doing a James Baldwin impression. That's dignified. Oh, it's now up to this it's, point. It's weird how I didn't this guy doesn't come back in other viewers' universe. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how he decided that he didn't want to fucking do this. Anyway, so uh, the first like fifteen minutes of this movie, or it's like back to back to back bits that uh, are all not funny and we front load this movie with a lot of jokes before we get into the romantic part of the romantic comedy and mm-hmm. it is the fucking tracer thing that goes on for five years oh. this whole bit with the militant black guy but get this he's actually a super feminine gay black guy isn't that crazy i guess what? i guess maybe we should get to it now they say Absolutely. faggot and fag in this in this movie oh, man, to he, this character's he stuck face. Stuck the landing on that one. You are ready for that. Every single. I come on. They, they keep saying it. It was, it was like they say it a lot. They yeah. really they really run with it. Yeah, they keep fucking using those two words to his face, and he's just supposed to take it out of the chin. I, they would have turned that into a joke too. He, the fucking Jim from the office look I just gave you exactly you know there's... <laughs> yeah. but they just, he just laughs off like haha we're friends we make comic books I know you don't think negative love me it's like no don't don't call your gay friends that yeah it's not cool actually there, there is a, a line later on that I thought was kind of at odds uh, which is uh, hey my friend Jason Lee isn't he doesn't have any hate in his heart but he is a little homophobic which that line doesn't really track today like homophobic means you hate gay people today it doesn't mean you're afraid of them or or like you're a little uncomfortable it means you hate if you say something racist that means you are racist say something sexist that means you are sexist that's the way people think these days uh they whoever they is they they might be right Uh, that might actually be accurate uh i don't know I, i mean society and language develops over time but even in 1997, I feel like it was probably wrong to go up to gay people and call them fag and faggot, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't feel like you ought to be doing something like that. And I noticed other movies had the wherewithal to not do that sort of thing. I mean, look, it was definitely wrong to do that back then, but also... People were doing it back then. That's, that's how most people talk. It was, it was absolutely <laughs> how people were this talking This is the most it. accurate representation I've seen yes. so far of like... Yeah, they would just laugh along with it because it's like, okay, yeah, I, cool, I guess. I got called it enough in high school. I fucking know. I'm the one gay guy in this school. I guess I better laugh along with the people that don't threaten to beat me up. Right. <laughs> you can call me that. Yeah. 
And that being said, like I'm not against the use of the word entirely. I mean, it was it was led to one of my favorite lines in the South Park movie. So <laughs> I keep coming back to that one. That's like my little defense. It's like, yeah, but what about in the South Park? So, uh, you know, up to this point, uh, so they go to a bar and they meet. Uh, oh, actually, before I guess at the Comic Con, they meet uh, a woman with a Jennifer Tilly esque voice, who apparently was getting stooped by kevin smith at the time i don't believe that yeah uh and then they split up like right before the movie came out shocker sure <laughs> Interesting. hey could you have sex with ben affleck in this movie okay dear <laughs> so uh also can you say this really fucked up shit anyway uh he ben affleck uh takes a liking to her they go out to a club and Parker, I know I talk about club scenes a lot, but I, I've changed my mind. Any scene in which anyone's drinking and I'm not is a problem because this is up to this point we've only had brief flashes of Kevin Smithisms. That stupid little reaction shot, like clunky dialogue, uh, that you know, just kind of it's always insipid too. Then we have the fucking uh uh the conversation where they're talking about oral sex. I oh God. I ran my blender over this. I, I'm not kidding. I I it's I, so I I made a protein but again. Shake. Like I imagine, like if I was like a fucking teenager who rented this in 1997, hearing people have this conversation would have blown my fucking mind. You're right. Yeah. But I've been online every hour of every day for the 25 years since then. So now, again, that's not the movie's fault. We're just like, yeah, man. Okay, this isn't this isn't as cool as you think it is. But it probably was. Yeah. I will say... Uh, this probably blew people's fucking minds just to have people openly speaking like this. Because, I mean, f- I would just imagine that. When it came to, like, mainstream movies, if a movie was about gay people, it was about gay people. Right, yeah. And it had its own little fucking section, and half the blockbusters probably wouldn't carry it because of its unchristian themes or some shit. Yeah. Like. This probably did blow people's fucking minds, but I can't put myself in that mindset because I was seven watching Power Rangers. I'll give you two positives here. Uh, This is a note that a lot of people don't like about the movie, and I think is that not only good, but kind of brave in a way. The fact that, uh, like you said, like, oh, gay movies were about gay people, and this is just about human beings. You know, one of them happens to be gay, right? This, I think, is a movie about straight people reckoning with uh, the burgeoning... uh, uh, I guess acceptance of uh, gay people, and it takes time. It takes time for people to come to grips with that. Uh, the world still is not really okay with transsexual people. It's going to take some time to get used to it. It's confusing to a lot of people, just as uh, homosexuality was confusing to a lot of people. And now it's more readily accepted. Now you know people, for the most part, are okay with it. But for a long time, it didn't make sense to a lot of people. And Ben Affleck's character, whose name I won't say has to talk through it sometimes we have to have these difficult conversations and does he come off as a bigot sometimes not necessarily but he does come off as very ignorant he does he does come off as like wait girls can't fuck each other there's no penis involved that sounds stupid and you're like oh what an idiot you know how could you possibly think that but he he talks the way that a lot of other people think or at least the way that yep. a lot of other people thought at that time I had to do a lot of recontextualizing while watching this. Because, again, you're watching this now, and you're like, Kevin, do you not know what a bisexual person is? Yeah. Like, the movie's over. The, 
she likes mostly women, but she'll fuck dudes she bonds with. Yeah. The credits. But, like, he's that whole fucking scene where they're in the park. Oh, that, yeah. It's very embarrassing. And he's just like, no, that's not it's not the standard. Like, You can't get fucked without this. And you're watching it, and you're like, oh, who thinks like this? But you're like, uh, a guy from New Jersey with that facial hair and Kuwabara's hair yeah. probably does think that. You know what? You're right, Kevin. Fuck me. Yeah. You're absolutely right. See, he, this guy absolutely yes. believes that. And it's never for a second considered like any sort of alternative. Yeah, by the way, that's not. this is not one of those things where Kevin Smith is working through his own issues about uh, homosexuality. I don't think that. I think that he has friends who are not okay with homosexuality and he was trying to write out those issues, try to explain it to them. Like, yes. Grew up super Catholic. Yeah, I... Well, he mentions it. Uh, yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah. By the way, the other positive I want to get to, which I guess we kind of passed by now, is I like the shot where they're playing darts at the camera. I, I thought That's that was cool. That's, that was good. Uh, that, that was good to negatives. Ben Affleck's goatee. What the fuck are we doing? Oh, dude. This is... There's no excuse How for this. How does this man's career blow up? Holy <laughs> shit. It looks like... They, ben Affleck's one of the prettiest men who ever lived. Would you get that out of there? It is obscene. Please just Google Ben Affleck chasing Amy. Yeah. And just enjoy that for a minute. Yeah. Holy get shit. Get that fucking shit out They're of here. They're all dressed in the baggiest fucking... Oh, yeah. Movie. The fucking baggy shirts and Dude. shit. You you look at a single screenshot for this movie, you're like, oh, mid-90s, absolutely. Right. At, Without a second of having to think about it, you can place... Oh, yeah, New Jersey, uh, 96, 97. Yeah, it was a good year. <laughs> they all look like absolute slides. Exactly. And the thing is, I, I, I want to get back to the dialogue real quick. And this is, I've said, for good or for ill, for Kevin Smith, the man believes in his dialogue. I think writers should believe in their dialogue. There's an upcoming WGA strike. Good. Pay the writers. They're the ones who do all the dreaming. For Kevin Smith, I've already talked about the ill on every single Kevin Smith episode we've ever done, but for the good, believing in your dialogue for something as important as not just gay rights, I mean, talk about legislation, talk about your community, your neighborhood, your friend, Ben Affleck, your friend with a stupid goatee, he has to understand, yeah, gay people like to have sex with each other, and that's okay, what do you, what do you care, okay? Yeah, sometimes women like to rub their things together. It's not the standard. They're returning like, together. And... Okay. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, again, we watch this now in 2023. We're in our 30s. We watch this be like, yeah, you know, what's a big deal? You know, who cares? But in 1997, it was confusing to a lot of people. It, it took some talking. It took some difficult conversations. And this movie, yeah, sometimes they're clunky conversations. Go have a conversation with someone who's anti-trans right now. You're telling me a boy can become a lady? And it's... It, you're going to get clunky conversations with people who are unwilling to accept this stuff. And if you have a difficult conversation with these people, they might be able to come out with it maybe a bit more understanding. You know, maybe not. And at that point, I guess you could just write them off or whatever. But I understand that. Now, here's the negative. Is I've talked about uh, these conversations often stem from conversations that uh, he has likely had. Usually about comic books. The same, It's called Tarantinoing, like I said. I think some of these conversations are not 
from uh, Kevin Smith's actual conversations with people. That whole oral sex scene where they're talking about in the uh, in the club, which, by the way, the camera shot is so static that I forgot Ben Affleck was in the movie. <laughs> I thought it was like, so Jason Lee falls in love with it? Oh, never mind. Ben Affleck's still in the movie. He's feeling sad that he's not sitting next to her. <laughs> we, will, we will get we, to Jason we Lee. We will get to Jason Lee very shortly, I promise. But this whole scene, I think... And I, I do not throw this term around, but I think this is true. I think, at least at this point during the movie, and maybe now still, Kevin Smith was, and maybe still is, a porn addict. And it's not a nice term to throw around. And yeah, there's lots of people who, who are who I probably don't even know. But that guy, like the, the whole scene with Jason Lee and the pornography, there's a problem there. There's that one stupid fucking um, uh, YouTube thing where, like, uh, he was start. He was trying to start a, a TV show or a, a YouTube series with a porn star where they smoked weed or something like that. It was really fucking stupid. I would rather die than watch a fucking. You cannot make called? me watch that. Yeah, it had like I, a name or something. Anyway, I was like, I'm gonna look this guy really likes porn. He the Jason Lee thing. That's Kevin Smith in this movie, and the whole scene where they're talking about all these different kinds of sexual deviant things that they have done. Which, by the way, in 2023, sound like, yeah, a girl kicked me in the head when I licked her clit. And it was like, okay, whatever. Like, that also... Well, you can't say that yeah. in a movie. <laughs> this guy can't be canceled. So uh, I have to admit, I did miss half that dialogue, because again, the blender, I had to get my gains. But uh, it was... <laughs> I picked my I spot well. It was out for five hours. I know, yeah. Hey, you remember that scene in Jaws? What if it was about sex? Yeah. I, I get it, Kevin. Yeah. I get it. But again, probably blew people's fucking minds back then. Parker. Not fair to judge it now. Because, like, if you showed Holden McNeil, a uh, friend of the show, if you showed him Bang Bus, he would have a fucking <laughs> nervous breakdown. Like, he just can't. He'd be on the floor foaming at the mouth. <laughs> Wait a second. So you pretended to be a realtor? You sucked, you sucked him off? What? Are you okay? Oh my god. You say this is on the internet for free? He won't leave his room for another week. <laughs> that man has a near nervous breakdown. She's like, yeah, I experimented in high school and college. You let two guys have sex with you? What's yeah, we will, again, we'll get to it. We'll fucking get yeah, to it. I, that reveals man, a lot about Kevin Smith. I will say that. Yeah, that man grew up Catholic. I did too, <laughs> but good gravy. Anyway, we'll get to, before we get to the gravy, Parker, I want to ask you a big question. Was this a hit? Uh -huh. Was this like a big hit? Did people like really like this? People pay money to see this? Because Mallrats was a flop, I know that, but was Chasing Amy like popular? I'm pulling up if it made oh, money. I'm sorry. Let me tell you uh, I owned this DVD released from the Criterion Collection. Uh, uh, well, you picked me up just to drop me down. So I mean, two fifty budget for twelve million. That's that's that's, that's, that's how you, that's that. how you get Dogma money immediately that, afterwards. You don't go from all rats to right. Yeah, Dogma that's a good point. Yeah, right. I'll I'll give you credit for that one. So, uh, you know, again, the on the positive side here, I like the idea of a straight guy. Yeah, okay, you can tell that this is a romance, and he is falling in love with this lesbian. So when he finally says, uh, you know, I'm in love with you, it's not really a shock, because, like, you've watched a movie before. But I just like the scenes of them getting along. I like that they have a friendship, and it's important in 1997. I And again, we're kind of talking about 1997 like it's the fucking caveman era, like it's the Paleolithic era. It's like they had no idea the conceptuality of, like, homosexuality. But, like... This is a big well, deal. That might as well be a hundred years. Every, ago. Yeah, exactly. Like again, in my head, I'm like, oh, this movie came like ten years ago. And when I wrote down twenty six, I was like, huh. Like, like we can. 
like it's a long time. We kind of make fun of people saying, "Oh, you know, Zoomers are so fragile these days." Send these people back to a high school in 1997. They will not survive. They 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 would fucking no. their ears would be bleeding from the shit they'd hear. You know, so it's it's tough. And I you are getting a surge dumped on your head, and you're getting crammed in every locker in that building. Exactly, especially with that fucking Zoomer poof haircut. I hate that fucking haircut so much. Dude. Anyway, now that being said, there are limits. Jason Lee's character, who I guess we have to get to. Up to this point, Parker, I kind of liked Jason Lee's character, specifically because I was comparing him with his Mallrats character, which is one of the worst characters in movie history. The guy is obnoxious, you know, horrible, rude, just, you know, not funny. And in this, he is subdued. Even though multiple characters tell him to calm down, I'm just like, dude, I've seen him be so much worse. This is him dignified, okay? You are lucky that you're just seeing him play a Genesis hockey game. And then he does the drawing of the four-way intersection. For all the people who haven't watched Chasing Game, check this out. You got a four-way intersection. At this point, uh, Ben Affleck is falling in love with uh, the lesbian. Who has a name? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, Jason Lee... It's not Amy, shockingly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a weird thing we'll get to later. Jason Lee is not happy about this because he doesn't want to lose his friend to some dame with her gams. So he draws a four-way intersection. At the top, you have the Easter Bunny. Uh, at the uh, at the right, you have a lesbian who still likes men. At the bottom, you have a lesbian who hates uh, men. You know the you know typical bra burning. I hate all men. Sort of uh, ultra, you know, eighth wave feminist uh, dyke. They say in the movie. And on the left, you have Santa Claus, who will originally get one hundred dollars first. Everyone knows this. The one at the bottom, because all the other three are figments of your imagination. That is insanely fucked up. I, that actually made me mad while I was watching it because I know lesbians. They're really nice. They're 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 fine people. You know they're cool. They don't hate me. They they got nothing against me. They just want to have sex with someone else. To see they know that we're allies and that we will also protect yeah them exactly. Forever. They listen to the show and they know that we don't say slurs. So it's it's like when when I watch this. I feel like he's thinking of women in terms of objects. He's objectifying. He says, if a woman won't have sex with you, then she must hate you. And that's such an insane way to view the world. And he's getting mad over fucking nothing. So your friend has another friend. It feels like manufactured conflict. Oh, how wrong I was. It is not manufactured conflict. This comes up later in the movie. Uh, Yeah, should we just... Do you want to just get to that? I I thought they were... I thought he was kind of joking, like, oh, you're in love with me, but... I thought, because yeah. especially it sounds like a Kevin Ben Smith Affleck, uh, just so you know, on the commentary, Ben Affleck's like, you know, he's absolutely gay, like... Because Kevin's like, I'll leave it up for interpretation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, he's super gay. He's, like, come the on, way that, he wrote the movie. The way that... He's definitely gay. Also, look at the way that Jason Lee acts. I, I will give Jason Lee credit, because I I think I mentioned just at least the last episode, I hated Jason Lee. And then I see him in this, it was like, this is a good, very subtle performance. There's a scene in which uh, he confronts him. Jason Lee does not like, yo, back off, man. He he kind of like crosses his arms and backs away like that. He's afraid. He's the bottom. Uh, I, I get it. And the scene in which, this is the most obvious scene to me, where Ben Affleck kisses him on the mouth and Jason Lee doesn't get up to leave. It, it is fairly you know, it's just, all right, all right, we'll see, make your argument, state your case, 
I have a rebuttal. You know, you know? <laughs> we're all gathered here. Yeah. I guess I'll. I guess I'll see. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's uh, a pizza place isn't open. Sorry, I can't go bowling I'm again. Just looking at my notes, yeah. and I'm just being reminded of um, he falls in love with her uh, when they first meet at that bar, and she sings that song. Mm-hmm. His little fucking dance he does. <laughs> It's one of the funniest things. Ever. Isn't his dance just like this? He's just moving his arms back and forth. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the commentary because there's like three different points where Kevin's just like making fun. Oh my of god! He's like overacting, and Ben's just yelling, "You told me to do that. <laughs> what is wrong with you?" He's dancing like Betty Boop. <laughs> it's incredible. They're all just trying to roast him. He's like, "You're the director. You told me to emote so the audience can tell." <laughs> You call you sit. <laughs> that is one of my favorite. It is one of the goofiest things I've ever seen. I I want to give credit to Kevin Smith for being actually. See, I, I've told you before, and I'll say it again. Kevin Smith is funny. All right, he is a very funny person. I feel like he should just do like college tours, you know, and just talk. I mean, he he did. For I a know. Long yeah, time I, before podcasts were a thing, and no. I enjoyed most of what I saw. Yeah, uh, I I like that. Also, as for the romance between. Uh, and uh oh Alyssa is her name she has a character Alyssa Alyssa and Ben Affleck I like it I like it I think it's cute I think that the dialogue is horrible I think it is just it just does not work but I I kind of chuckled at the skee-ball scene where she just throws it like a baseball (laughs) it was like that's kind (laughs) of funny you know and she also screws that up somehow I don't know how she did that uh and I thought the scene in which he uh he said he loved her. I thought that was a good scene. I liked it, and I, I was happy that he was honest about it. And uh, she said, you know, hey, if you can't handle a crush, he said, if this is a crush, I don't think I could handle the real thing. And I was like, well, that's a good line. And then the camera moves for the first time in the entire movie to show the walk back to his car in the rain, and she comes back after him. And that's, that was a heartwarming scene. I felt really good about that. And uh, I like that. And then comes the hockey scene. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Okay, so we gotta say this. The It is revealed to him by his close, I hesitate to use the word friend, Jason Lee, that uh, Alyssa once had a threesome with two guys. So you're telling me <laughs> that she's not really his stepmother? <laughs> what the fuck? This is, this is what was... By- <laughs> Sorry, I just got that. He, he loses his... <laughs> fucking mind it's like it she was in college so ordinarily i would say that oh this is probably a conversation that kevin smith had with someone else who was like i can't stop thinking of her getting plowed down by two guys at the same time I, he did in fact mention on the commentary he had friends that watched this scene and different friends had different reactions i'm sure they did now here's my thing I think this reveals more about Kevin Smith. I feel like there's a bit of a personal story here, Be- and not just with the Silent Bob scene, which I guess we'll get to. But he he did this in Clerks. Remember in Clerks, where it's like, oh, she had sex with like what thirty six guys or whatever the thing was, was the number? Yeah, yeah some sort of thing like that. Thirty seven Thir- in a row. I was one off. Anyway, I haven't seen that movie since I was like ten. Anyway, I haven't seen it in a while, yeah. but when I watched it, I watched it a lot. I believe it. That was not intended as an insult. Anyway, so... It is, though. It's just... (laughs) So, like, the thing is, like, I think he's threatened by the idea that a woman had sex with someone else besides you. Kevin, wishing no offense, look in the mirror. All right? You were not her first choice. (laughs) 
once he realizes, like, oh no, we're not just supposed to agree with everything he's thinking. Because I don't yeah, think right. he's no. supposed to be God, a self no, 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 Like, no. yeah, he's right. Because, yeah. like, I think, I mean, I certainly did it in my first serious relationship where it's like, I don't want to think about anyone else being with this woman. And then I asked her, and then I felt horrible afterwards. It's like, why? 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 I think it's a thing a lot of guys, I'm not going to say yeah, every right, guy, because yeah. some people aren't emotionally retarded like I am, but. A lot of people do it, where you drive yourself fucking crazy, and it's like, yet yeah, people are allowed to have a life before they meet you. Well, yeah, and yeah. he just loses his fucking mind on. Yeah, him. I mean, I'm as again, I've grown up. Yeah. I'm much more accepting now. But uh, if my first serious girlfriend had relayed the story to me, I don't know how well I would have taken it. I was not emotionally mature then. Yeah. But also, this dude's like 35. Yeah, you know, I, I will submit, because I'm a bit different. I genuinely do not care what someone has done before. Oh, no, I'm at that point now. It's like, whatever. It's like, well, is it out of your system? Because I ain't fucking doing that. Yeah, well, All I right, think cool. I'm just self-centered. I don't fucking care about like yeah. other people. You know, this is fun. Did you have fun? Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed all that. Cause, okay, uh, we're putting on the 60s fantasy. Batman now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just throwing this disclaimer out in case she listens. I'm not directing this towards my current partner. No, God, no. Just no, 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 no. <laughs> but, uh... Just, uh, I hope this person had fun. Hope you had a great time. Cause, now it's going to be boring. My, all, <laughs> all of my fantasies have a one penis limit, and it's mine. Exactly, so, like, yeah. Hope you had a great time. You know, uh, not for me. I don't have any interest in it. Glad you had fun. Let's go. And she even tells him that. It's like, yeah, I tried it. It wasn't for me. Yeah. And he just keeps short circuiting. Yeah, you know, the other thing about it that, that really gets to me here is... We mentioned earlier that it's 1997. There was a lot of chuds out there, a lot of chuds who were homophobic. They didn't, a oh, girl can't fuck another girl. There ain't no pee-pee. But same thing with this. Like, I don't want my girl having threesomes with two high school students. I get it. I understand. I, you know, normal reaction to have. But, like, you know, he, like you said, he's not a guy you want to emulate. You're not supposed to agree with this guy. You know, like, the, I, I learned that on the swing set scene. And I was just like, well, yeah. that's, not, that's not my guy right there, you know? I'm Team Alyssa. It's like... I'm not on his side, but I, I sort of get I, it. No, I, I, I sort of, I, I could see his viewpoint. I, I have to admit that from from my past, not yeah, me. I, no, I mean, I'm yeah, not yeah. sitting here now watching right, and yeah. being like, yeah, brother, tell her, tell her off in front of all these people in public. I have to admit, it's a pretty cool move to do. I have to admit, yeah, I have to admit, I did. This movie did kind of lose me at the hockey scene. I was like, that is such a shitty thing to do, and for him to talk to her that way, for him to break up with her, more or less break up with her by saying, "I want something we can't have," which is a normal relationship, and then walk away. I was like, fuck him, you know? What yeah. a fucking horrible it's wild thing to say. That, like, this is around like the halfway point, and he realized like. Oh, both of our male protagonists are miserable, awful people. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I will say okay. he does uh, end up is, squaring. Hey, what are the snoochie boochie yeah. guys oh, coming we'll, in? We'll get to them uh, very shortly. Guys I just want to say something here. Is like he, he mentions that one of the reasons he's so upset is that he feels inferior, that he's not as experienced as she is. And there's a line in the movie that really stuck with me. It's like, but she doesn't care. She likes you. Exactly. And a line that That's came... That's the thing you have to yeah, learn. a line that came... It's the thing I had to learn, because... I think... Let me tell yeah. you, I was not popping off in high school. <laughs> I, I get you, yeah. Hey, me neither. They weren't lining up, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. They were lining up to or get away college. from me. Or, or now. Hey, so here's how you BXR... Hello? And I'll show her when she gets back. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't know the super jump on Zanzibar. Yeah, I'm trying to show... She'll be back, though, yeah, right? She, she's probably, like, Googling Shine Spock on her own, but she doesn't know how to do it right. Anyway, so uh, there's a, something that was sticking with me with this is that I'm, 
I've reached the age where I've boomhoured my way through enough pineapple fields. I am looking for love. And he had love. He had... That is something that doesn't come every single day. That's an important thing. Yeah, especially not when I'm involved. But, Got but what bothered me the most is that he hurt someone that he loved. And someone that loved him. And I was like, God, that was such a horrible thing. You know who could really solve all this? Blunt Man and Chronic themselves, Jay and Silent Bob. I was wondering when these two people would show up in this movie. Because they show up in all the movies. Thank God. Can you imagine I, if they were in Red State? I could not <laughs> I could not stop thinking about like the worst guy in your town renting this movie and sitting through eighty minutes of it and then just going Oh, fucking finally! <laughs> I have to admit, I was almost like that, because uh, the only thing I liked about Mallrats was uh, Jay and Silent Bob. And oh, it's a low bar to Exactly, clean. yeah. And uh, I, I, I think they're the characters, the recurring characters in, Jay, in uh, uh, Kevin Smith movies that I like the most, but it's because Jason Mewes feels like the only person who knows how to read his dialogue you know he's he's able jason to... muse does not know he's in a movie exactly he's just doing himself and i i think he is improvising a little bit and he's funny when he does it when he calls kevin smith tons of fun it feels so natural <laughs> you know that nickname has stuck with me that and calling a fat guy lunchbox is really funny like objectively just he's he calls him shithead so naturally <laughs> shithead over here likes watching john hughes movies <laughs> i i enjoy jason yeah Bates. i like him too i i'm not gonna pretend like i don't like him except in this movie so here's the thing he is not comfortable with the dialogue as far as i can tell besides what he calls him tons of fun which i think was an improv i <laughs> uh, i because he's like, nah, you just gotta forget about it. Bitches ain't shit, that's stupid shit. Which, by the way, we didn't talk about the pseudo-rap scene with the guy outside the Quickie Mart, you know, talking about the uh, threesome. Oh it's like, God. what the fuck hey, are we doing? Hey, remember how I said he's really into Spike Lee movies? Yeah. Hey, wow. Here's another little <laughs> homage for yeah, you. Yeah, hate. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Jason Mewes is bad. So, Kevin Smith, I go of two ways in this. First of all, Silent Bob talks too much in this. And, uh... Dude, this scene is endless because like in in the first clerks movie all he says is uh you know most women won't make lasagna for you most of them just cheat on you that's a good line that that line will stick yeah, with that's you that's all you need yeah. Like, yeah you know it's he gives a whole fucking soliloquy yeah he talks <laughs> about Christ, how man. he came up with the title for his idiotic movie uh yeah ever since then i've been chasing amy i'm like wow that was really meta because you just told me the exact story that he went through it's the same thing there's really not yeah, a lot like, of differences here yeah, I also went through this. Yeah, and ever since then, I've been. And then it went me. bad. Well, the end. which, by the way, how because at this point, oh, sorry, how guys. stupid is it to tell him you've been chasing Amy? Ben Affleck doesn't know who Amy is. It's like I don't know what the fuck you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. It's like that guy is just like, yeah, I don't know, man. You're like, don't know what and what's wrong. Who's Amy? Yeah, it, it really is. But and even Jason Mewes is like, come on, tell him your gay little story. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the point of the movie where. I, I've realized long ago, like, oh, I've never actually watched this. And I'm like, <laughs> I swear to God, if he comes out, like, you know what? Yeah, you guys are right. And then they get together, <laughs> throwing this movie in right, the garbage. Exactly. This man deserves nothing. Now, I will give... He is an absolute piece of shit. Right, yeah. Who literally just blew up, like, what is clearly, like, the best relationship she's had. 
like looking for actual love and just threw it all away because she had the nerve to have sex in college. Exactly. And like interrogated her in public. And the fact she's even like, yeah, I would have told you if you just fucking asked, you weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Just be an adult. You're not 16. You're, you're in your mid thirties. You have a goatee and you write comic books. Just ask like, Hey, did you get tag team by those dudes in high school? And she would said, yeah, 15 years ago. And you'd be like, Oh, Okay. (laughs) He really was trying to do the whole fucking Columbo thing. Oh, just one more thing. <laughs> Did he hit it raw? <laughs> I'm no longer doing Peter Falk. Also, like, she does, she does good facial acting. Oh, yeah. She's, without saying a yeah, word. Yeah, she's working hard. Oh, just the eyes looking down is trying to be like, okay, yeah. I'll play along. All right, Let's see how far it If goes. he's really going to fucking do this right here in front of people. In this literally cocky She's game. honestly like the best part of this movie but of course uh since she's a woman uh sorry yeah (laughs) oh well how old are you 27 oh yeah well i hope you like being the mom from now on yeah get out of here you old bad (laughs) she is legitimately the best part of this movie by like a huge oh yeah i don't and i don't even dislike uh, that much of it oh yeah by the way like i think ben affleck's fine like he's you hey you try and read those fucking that's paragraphs. exactly yeah it. it's it's impossible to read a lot of that dialogue and she she's game she does the best she can uh i guess the only other person who's good at reading his, his dialogue is kevin smith himself because uh you know he's probably practiced it a million times and it's it's you know, sounded i don't i guess you maybe dislike it this, more than I did, maybe. this sounds very rehearsed it does yeah it feels <laughs> like I know, he stole like, the story before obviously it's rehearsed but like this sounds like this man I think we talked about it before, like, he wrote parts of Clerks for himself that realized he couldn't remember the fucking yeah. <laughs> lines. This seems like he gave himself a lot of lines, and he was determined to nail it. Yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> the, the line at the very end of his soliloquy where he goes, and ever since then I've been chasing Amy. And I'm like, oh, he really wanted to hammer that phrase into common parlance. No one says that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> It, it sounds like the fucking Stan Lee scene from Mall Rats. It does, yeah. You know. If I could just have one more day. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> By the way, I was thinking of the, the other thing I like that Kevin Smith used to do this well is facial reactions. Because he does nowadays all he does is the whoo face, which is, I cannot stand it. <laughs> Take a picture of his bloodshot crying <laughs> eyes. That was his face when he saw Black Panther. Anyway, uh, no, not kidding. I think he actually did cry for it, baby. Oh, I'm sure he yeah. did. Both of yeah. them. Oh. oh. <laughs> Forgot about the other. Anyway, uh, he... Um, in this one, I and in, in Clerks too, he's got a, funnel, a funny facial reaction. Where uh, when uh, Jay starts talking about how he wanted to meet an alien and fuck it. And his, just, his reaction is just kind of... It's just it's just his reaction is funny enough on its own. It kind of lends itself to the Silent Bob character. Same reaction happens in here, where he says, "You gotta draw me one of those big titty villains, and then I beat her, and she fucks me." And <laughs> Silent Bob's reaction is he just kind of looks at him like, and he's like, "All right," and she has to fuck Bob too. <laughs> that was like, that's funny. That's really good. Uh, and then was it uh, he? I guess uh, after that idiotic, insipid conversation, he has Jason Lee and Alyssa at his apartment. I'm sorry. I just keep getting annoyed because they even called out like, oh, you're going to do that thing where you tell the story. It's supposed to, it's like, fuck you. You haven't earned this yet. And also, this doesn't work if this is your only scene in the movie. Yeah, It works in Clerks because you just keep cutting them getting into shenanigans. 
and singing with the berserker guy outside. You don't have to walk in the diner and go, oh yeah, this comic book list could. Now, what if I could just have one? <laughs> You're speaking of scene. Wayne's World, it's like the fucking, it's like the Wayne's World 2 Charlton Heston scene. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets the fucker too. Oh yes, Gordon Street. I remember Gordon Street. <laughs> it seemed kind of extraneous at the time. <laughs> so he sits down and confronts it's... these two people on his couch, which by the way, this is where the movie loses me again because this is movie shit. Oh, yeah. If I was either one of these characters, I would say, I don't like you very much anymore. I don't want to talk to you. And uh, Yeah, the scene that goes very simply, get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> you two are broken up. Get out of my house. Actually, let's talk about get the house. Get out. Really I'm quick. calling the police. Very good 90s set. This looks like very, that very good. Connects table really did a lot yeah, for exactly. me, to be honest yeah. with you. It's... That, I had to stop and stare at that for a bit. I was like, oh man, bring that back. Bring back those 90s rooms. But instead, he tells uh, Alyssa, hey, I, I feel kind of self-conscious about the fact that you've had sex and I haven't. And he talks to Jason Lee. And, yeah, also, is he a virgin? He might actually what be, you know? He might actually... He doesn't tell any oral yeah, sex stories. Like, well, they're swapping yeah, like, stories. He doesn't, have any, he doesn't have any crazy stories. Like, you're going to tell me Ben Affleck wasn't laying all this pipe? He's like, you, you, you had sex with a guy and he recorded it? It's like... <laughs> Ben, let, let's see that bottom drawer. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I do like the idea that like uh, Jason Lee and, and Alyssa are swapping oral sex stories, and uh, Ben Affleck is laughing a little too hard in the background, like <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just like silence happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He that my man laughing because he knows. <laughs> Oh, we forgot. There's another scene with the black guy. He calls her Miss Thang. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, he also... Good dialogue, Kevin. He goes up to a little black kid and tells him to hate the white man. He's just sowing racial discord. Because it's funny. That's a pretty good scene, though. Uh, I will say it's like... I would say point at the the white guy with that goatee and be like, "Ah, I'd fucking hate him, too. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Say, so, you know what? I'm buying what you said. Let me read your comic book, sir. I don't I don't like this man's whole vibe. Yeah. So up to this point of the movie, I couldn't tell who was more of a bigot, uh Jason Lee or Ben Affleck. I guess technically Jason Lee. But like Ben Affleck is a real slime ball for the way that he treated Alyssa. The way that he thinks of it is like, come on, dude, get over it. At one point you will get piped down too. Anyway, he told He's such a weird character because like I just started to circle back to the fucking playground thing yeah. again, but like it's not all these questions aren't coming from like a mean spirited place. Like he just yeah. seems like genuinely confused and not understanding. Right. Yeah. And she's patiently talking him through yeah. it. And then he finds out she fucked a dude and he's like, You mean I'm not the first fucking guy, you <laughs> fucking slut? It's like, oh cool. I love this character. Yeah. I hope he succeeds and finds love. Yeah. It's like, I'm checked out, dude. Get to the credits. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Anyway. I don't want him to be happy. Here's, here's the emotional third act twist. He tells Jason Lee, You're in love with me. And Jason Lee's like, take this, and he kisses him full on the mouth, which uh, probably got some squeals in theaters. Did in this house. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, he sits down and says, "Uh, okay, uh, I guess I'll hear you out, you know? It's like, I I think I know exactly what's going on here, man. Uh, I'm fucking leaving. He gets up to leave. He's intercepted kiss, and he's like, Okay. Well, yeah. it'd be rude to yeah. not hear your whole side of the story. You've clearly put a lot of work. Yeah, even if you story. don't do it again to me a little bit slower next time, like, you know, I, I might as well hear. <laughs> so, and then I was like, hey, 
He's right. Jason Lee, that, by the way, Kevin Smith, I did not hear the commentary, but Kevin Smith, you really think, yeah, it's open to interpretation. Go fuck yourself. Come on. I've seen a move. Incorrect. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, he's very clearly. <laughs> again. Like, ah, see, actually, all the slurs were okay, because he's, <laughs> it's like, when fucking Mr. Garrison tells everyone that he can say <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. No, everyone else gets bleeped out. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he was able to say yeah. it. By the way, I, uh, I I just was like, yeah, it's open to interpretation. Either the scene is halfway decent or it sucks ass. <laughs> Either he's gay or you don't understand the scene in, that you wrote in your own movie. Anyway, job, at this point, I thought... That's a good line, and it's a good scene, it's good to say, hey, guess what? This character was gay, and no one else knew it. Even he didn't even really know it, and it's something you have to come to grips with. And again, this is 1997. This is fairly progressive. This is good for gay people. And then Ben Affleck has the worst suggestion I have ever heard in my entire life. We should all have sex together. Ben Al. <laughs> as, as a man who watches a lot of Kevin Smith movies, I hit pause, and I sat here and thought, so help me God. <laughs> that's fair. That is fair because that seems like what like would have done. If this happens, I feel like I would have known about right. this. But also, like, there's no way that everyone lives happily ever after. It's like, you know, well, we banged it out and uh, we're on good terms. The guy from Fashionable Mail <laughs> fucked Jason Lee. <laughs> He's like, hey, Jason, Jason I know you're going to get what you want. Like, <laughs> they ask him first. He's like, I guess. <laughs> and she's like, no. He's like, oh, thank God. I'd hate that so much. Yeah, oh, oh no. Oh, it's so gross. Oh, my Blah. God. I guess it's just you and me then, eh? <laughs> Let's get the dame out of I, here. I'm also, first of all, I'm really happy that she said no, and they did not end up together because that would have been, like, the worst fucking, like, paint-by-numbers movie you've ever seen. But also, that wouldn't be Kevin Smith. He knows better than that. He knows better than to do that because, you know, his dialogue may suck complete and total ass, but they're at least interesting ideas, and interesting ideas go a very long way. And I, I especially like the line where she slaps... Ben Affleck in the face and says, I'm not your fucking whore. And I was like, thank you. He needed that. And I think the audience needed that too. To realize that she lesbians are not sex objects. And for all the shit that Jason Lee's talking about, all right, where can you watch two girls kissing? And I, I was right next to them. I was just like, oh my goodness, this is fucked. And, uh, oh, man, I, that actually reminded me of something. Yeah. I will get to it when you're done. I'm, I'm basically... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, it It bothers me that, like... Obviously, like, uh, gay women have been sexualized for a long time. Like, oh, two ladies doing the deed. And, you know, these are real people with real lives. And they have stuff to work through. And uh, this is a real character. And, yeah, she has a lot of sex in this movie. But she's not your fucking whore. And uh, that wasn't just directed to... Uh, to that character is also directed to the audience and i think it's a stark reminder and i like that but let me know what you said um it just reminded me that uh legitimately like one of the best like gags in this movie is when they're at that club and jason lee looks over and see two girls making out and he's like oh yeah nice and then he sees two girls just talking and that's when he realizes like wait this is a gay bar <laughs> it's a really good bit without like any dialogue <laughs> but just seeing two women talking at a bar and be like wait a second <laughs> There, there was also that one of his first lines. There's a lot of chicks here, and to which the the gay black guy goes, "You're such a man." <laughs> I'm like, all right, it's it's a lot. Yeah. 
<laughs> probably weren't a lot of gay black men <laughs> as lead characters in movies, but well, not like this, yeah, yeah, Kevin. yeah. This is pre Moonlight, so. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, honestly impressed that the movie ended correctly yes. with them all just going their separate ways. It's like being cordial and friendly when they see each other and like thinking back on yeah. good times they had, but all being completely separate people living their own yeah. lives. I was like, wow, it's not what I expected from this at all. Uh, yeah. Good on you. Kevin. I like that. I like that ending a lot, actually. I think the ending is one of the best parts of the movie because it shows that no, they cannot be together. Not after all that, but they, they shared a human moment. They realize like, Hey, we're all cut from the same cloth over here. You know, we're all people. We can treat each other with dignity, you know, that goes a long way. And there's like little moments peppered in like, Hey, you know, don't be homophobic, you know? And then that same character who says that line is homophobic to a gay man's face. Don't know what the fucking thing is with that. It's just insane that we spent this whole movie with this guy. He has this fucking blow up on her because she like has a past and he feels inadequate, which Again, like, I get it, man. I was a fucking loser most of my life. Like, I understand feeling like you can't stack up. But his big answer is like, okay, uh, I talked to the fat guy and the junkie, and I've decided we're, you and I, we're going to fuck my best friend who secretly <laughs> wants me to fuck him. And then we're all going to be good. And she gives, like, a five-minute speech of, like, no. Like, just to, simple, to simplify it. No, I, I did that in the past. I don't want that. I want a relationship with someone I care about. I don't want you'd have a three-way with me and your friend he's like well yes true love doesn't exist <laughs> make a comic book so long blunt man and chronic oh yeah well so much for chasing amy is it really the best kevin smith movie i've seen i don't think i like this as much i don't, know, I, I don't, I don't think i like this as much as i like clerks too i'm gonna be honest i i think i like clerks too more than i like this I, uh, I don't think I've seen you, Clerks 2 since like the year it came out. Let me let me look up. Uh, Alex, please finish your finals. I don't know if I can do Clerks and Clerks 2. I know, I know uh, uh, Alex does not like Clerks 2, but that was the first Kevin Smith movie I had ever seen. I thought it was funny. Let's see, what else did he do? Oh. Yeah. I oh mean, my it's, God. Maybe it's this either this or a Clerks movie. movie. Like, yeah. legitimately. <laughs> yeah, this is better. All joking aside, like, yeah. Oh. It's it's up there. Yeah, this is be- well, it's certainly better than Mallrats. How high up uh, that your mileage may vary on that one. Yeah, this- and you know, like either all these movies are about like the dialogue, and just to compare to Tarantino again, either you can deal with like this isn't how people talk, but that's fine, or you go this isn't how people talk. I'm not gonna watch this anymore. Either one's fine because I get it. I'm not gonna die on a hill for any of these fucking movies. Like I understand. Well, I said last night, I gotta watch the movie for this week. She's like, what is it? I was like, no. <laughs> We're not, I'm not watching this in a room with a person I care about. I'm gonna get, imagine like the first five bits of this movie just like with your significant other and how uncomfortable you'd be like, yeah, I used to think this guy was hilarious back in the day. <laughs> that, that, that does have to be kind of, I, I just wouldn't watch this with people. I, I, I don't yeah, I did not. I watched it on my laptop with headphones in like an adult oh my god dude are, are we gonna watch Jane like, and Silent Bob super groovy cartoon movie what <laughs> not directed by Kevin Smith but it was written by him <laughs> what oh it was produced is that real it was produced by Jason Mewes he, he seems like he could handle that 
Oh. Oh, hey. Okay. Yeah, uh, starring Stan Lee as himself, the role he was born to play. And, oh, oh hey, dude, Neil Gaiman is in here as Albert the Manservant. That's funny. I already just watched a movie with a gay man in it, let me tell you. <laughs> Got yeah. Oh. A movie that... So, Chasing Amy, uh, especially in the beginning, was not enjoying myself. Just none of the jokes were working. Uh, and the longer it went, I just kept getting frustrated because it's like... I know it's not fair to judge it because by, like, today's standards and knowledge and all that. But, like, she's bisexual. Movie over. It's fine. Yeah, you know, okay. But the more I've thought about it, the more it's like, I really appreciate this just as a time capsule of culture, like Gen X culture in this period of time, just slapped together and trying to have a message, whether or not it's effective and whether or not everyone comes out of it looking for the worse. Yeah. I, I kind of like that this exists, I'll be honest. Well, I don't know how often I'm going to revisit no, it. No, ideally never. But uh, I, I think the I think the thing about you know bisexuality, just cutting the movie, is like, yeah, it would, but it would also be a, a very different movie because the scene in which she goes back to Ben Affleck, I was not expecting because I thought she was a lesbian. I didn't think she had attraction Same. to men. And thus you realize, like, oh, she switched hips, and you don't have a problem with that. Now, Parker, I wonder if you have a problem with this. There's a post credit scene in the Jay and Silent Bob's Groovy Cartoon movie. And this is after the creds, Jay and Silent Bob are visited by Stan Lee, who wishes to speak to them about the oh. Avenger Initiative. Shortly after, oh. they are all picked up by Doc Brown, who requests their help in getting back to oh. the future. Oh. No. But before this, you... Parker, if it's okay if I spoil this. Blunt girl asks blunt man. <laughs> 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 Wait, can I ask <laughs> who voices Blunt yeah, Girl? Uh, Jennifer Schwabach. Oh, good. Kevin's yeah, wife. wife. Yeah. How do you find her? <laughs> Crazy. Blunt Girl asks Blunt Man if he's ever experienced anything of the like, to which he replies, yeah, when Ben Affleck played Daredevil. During the credits, it is noted that Jay and Silent Bob will return in Clerks 3. Is that a threat? 64 minutes long. I bet it feels like 140. Tara Strong plays a character, Cockknocker. Cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Can't wait to watch it. We have both laid our cards on the table in a diabolical fashion. Oh, good gravy. Yeah. I... <laughs> I have just learned of this thing's existence. Let me Science. tell you, it's really upsetting. Oh fuck! Oh uh, yeah, is it? So I guess my question is: Is this better than Dogma? And I think that's a tough question to ask because I think that they're very similar. Where it's just, you know, he's throwing out, yeah, this is on my mind. This is a social, uh, you know, commentary. You know, religion, uh, gay people. What do you think, sirs? And of the two, I think Chasing Amy is a lot better. I, uh, I, I, I'm being a lot kinder to it, even though there's a lot of stuff I cannot stand about Chasing Amy. I, maybe we weren't clear enough. The dialogue in Chasing Amy is fucking dire. This is some of the worst dialogue in uh, any movie that I've seen this year. It just is... It's so fucking clunky. It's not that it's hard to understand, but this is not how people talk. And I... I 
I, I wonder if I were to talk to Kevin Smith about this. Like, he would say, it's not supposed to be how people talk. And I'm like, you know who also, like, wrote dialogue that's not supposed to be how people talk? Ayn Rand! That doesn't, that's not a compliment at all. Yeah, but also George Lucas, and look who you're talking yeah, to. I, I want to get to some other thing. It was like the whole, like, I, I was raised Catholic. I, I didn't believe people had threesomes. I was raised Catholic, and I went to public school. Like, I, I fucking knew this shit was happening. I'm not like a... Yeah. Come on. I, I, I they, they use that line again. I was like, I was raised Catholic. Yeah, I, I get it. Come on, you know? Oh, by the way, here's here's an example of how bad the, uh, the dialogue is. Remember the emotional scene in which... Ben Affleck confesses his love to Alyssa. He says, I, I know this will probably queer our friendship, no pun intended. Come on. Yeah, that's come like, on, come on. on. This is this is a very serious Don't, thing, Kevin. Come on. No one talks. It's not the fucking 1920s, okay? I mean, my opinion on a wish is better. It's, we can just loop it back to the Terminator discussion. Yeah, we were the having. last one. The question saw. is, uh, <clears throat> so which of these did you watch the most when you were 14? Because yeah. that's the I answer. guess that, yeah, that's probably If right. you meet someone who likes Mallrats, it's because they watched it a hundred times when they were between the ages of 12 and 15. This is my first time sitting down watching it. It's like, I can appreciate just from like a weird Gen X time capsule trying to like fight with ideas it probably wasn't ready to face. But like, I, I watched Clerks a hundred times. I, I watched Dogma on edited on comedy central all the time those two are gonna win out yeah just because that's that's what i watched at the age that you watch a kevin smith movie oh yeah remember oh last line about this before we end this episode remember when jay when silent bob says do or do not there is no try oh yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool right this movie's hey you guys seen star thanks. wars there's a little indie film you might have heard of. Ugh. I'm a fan. You people don't even know. You're a fan of the most popular piece of art ever. <laughs> I've been really enjoying that lately. Yeah, uh, they sold out. And, you know, the Mandalorian's got all these like guest stars. Like Star Wars has been the most popular thing on the earth since the day it came out. What's fucking wrong with you people? <laughs> this isn't Blade Runner that fucking bombed, and it took a decade before people liked it. It created blockbusters, you stupid prick. Nerds rise Everyone up. knows it. We're, we're fighting back for our respect. Go back into the lockers from whence you came. Yeah, us and our comic book fans. You know, characters like Batman, Robin, Daka. We could stop recording. Blotman, <laughs> Chronic, and also Daka again. <laughs> Snoochie Boochies, you s- And that's the tea, sis.